Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Brad Thompson in today for the full show and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. 203, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. BT, the Blues fall last night to your Vegas Golden Knights. They do not repeat the performance from the other night. Uh, may or may not have got a little bit of help from some officials who allowed Vegas to have, I think, Final count was 19 power plays. I believe That's Vegas correct. was on. Ni- about 19. Marsh, you got that number officially? Yeah, it was something uh, maybe 19 minus 11, but... Uh, there you go. Either way. It was a lot. So about 19, Brad. Well, Anthony, unlike you, I'm a professional. I didn't throw a Golden Knight party after uh, and during the victory last night like you did with the Shark Party. You had to San go Jose. grocery shopping because you swapped out uh, cilantro for parsley. So that's why you had to cancel the party. I told you that in the trust tree, Anthony. I didn't think that was something that we were going to bring here. Yeah, I was sent to the grocery store yesterday, Anthony, with uh, some some ingredients to just make guacamole fairly easy. And who? what kind of a, a monster puts the parsley and the cilantro right next to each other? Do you, I sent you a picture of it yeah. from the store. Simple mistake. Do you think that the security... For, for these grocery stores do that, and then they just watch? I mean, I guess they wouldn't know. Well, they, how they would, would they know what I'm making, yeah, Anthony? darn it. I thought about that right as I, right after I said it. Maybe it's just a yep. personal thing where they just know you're gonna somebody's going to make the mistake, so they just so, kind of laugh about it. It is one. I, I might have caught it had I gone through the regular checkout line, but I went, through, went out the self-check. I must have got to the grocery store at the... Uh, at the, we'll, we'll call it the older time to go to the grocery store where nobody wanted to touch the newfangled machines, but uh-huh. everybody wanted to wait in a really long line. I'm like, forget that. I'm not doing it. Right. But had I done that, when they were ringing it up and I'd have seen like parsley pop up, I'd have been like, no, I got cilantro. And then they'd be like, no, you didn't, you idiot. You got <laughs> parsley. And then it maybe wouldn't have had to make a trip back. Either, Either way, way, let's get back to the business here. Look, it was a start to that game last night, Anthony, that it looked like it was going to be all gold for the Blues. Like, it was mm-hmm. a great start, even though they fell behind. And that has been the death of them. Turns out still to be the case. But they gave up the first goal. Then they respond with a pair of them. And then just penalties and uh, let's go. Good news. Good news, Anthony. They killed off six penalties. <laughs> killed six. Needed eight. Like that's the that's the uh, that ends up being the nuts and bolts of it. Like what what was your biggest takeaway, Anthony? Was it the fact that uh, what was it referee based? I know you alluded to that a little bit. Was it just the topsy turvy nature of what is the 2023 2024 Blues? Like what did you take away the most out of that one? Look, here's the thing. We could talk about we could talk about kind of the the issues with the the, the penalties and some ticky tack calls, and I, th- I think that that's the case, but. The bottom line is you gave up, again, a bunch of shots. I mean, Bennington allowed five goals on 48 shots. 
48. He faced 34, I think, on in Vegas. 48 last night. This is a problem. So when you have a night where the referees are blowing whistles for the other team, it's going to compound the issue. But you gotta you got to fix why you're giving up 48 shots in a game to Vegas. Of course you're going to put well, six of them in or five into the empty netter. The, the idea, too, Anthony, and you're absolutely right. I mean, look, you're going to give up uh, when you're a man short for like 13 minutes, whatever it ended up being total, you're going to give up a lot of shots. That is part of it. The thing is, too, and uh, again, I'm not laying this at the feet of uh, the officials. They were not great in the game. I agree with some of the ticky-tack stuff. Uh, and, and one thing to point out, I think that if you're just looking at this on the surface, say, well, wow, look, this is a, a team. You knew it was going to be an influx year. Uh, they're probably a, a group that is not disciplined. No, it's an extreme well-disciplined team. This Coming into the game, they were the least penalized team in the NHL. So this is not like a normal thing for Craig Berube's team. So yeah, some of these, uh, whether it's a, you know, a tripping, a hooking, a slashing that you didn't like, a lot of it is because you're chasing the game. This is something we've seen o- over the years. I think we saw them chasing a little bit in the second, whether the calls were legit or not. But I feel like that part of it is, uh, is a one-off. And you know this, Anthony. The Golden Knights are a team, they're going to be able to generate offense they're going to do it on pretty much anybody in the nhl the last thing they need is a little help and need that man advantage and unfortunately the the blues just gave it to him too much yeah big time uh now marsh was in the building last night (laughs) marsh why don't you tell everybody what happened to you when you went to the game last night all right so i'm sitting uh in my seat and this was in the second period i get up at the uh i believe it was the second tv timeout go get a beer and the vendor was right right outside my section, so it only took about one minute. I come back, I sit down, I look up, they're doing the lookalikes, and boom, I'm right on the I'm right on the video board. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who was it? John Mayer. John Mayer. Of all John people. Mayer. I don't look anything okay. like that guy. I don't think yeah, you I do either. You. Picking that six string. <laughs> so you think so you think it's uh you think it was the mustache? I think it was the mustache. But it John was, Mayer has a mustache? I didn't know. In the photo he did. Okay, that I could see. But, like, I literally went to my seat, sat down, looked up, and I was on the screen. <laughs> like, they must have just been waiting for me to come back they to my spot. They probably were, yeah. Yeah, because they have to plan that out well in advance, yes. I would imagine. Yeah. But, John, yeah, John Mayer. I don't see, I don't see you as the, uh, your body's a wonderland man himself. Mm. So... Yeah. I mean, it could be it's worse. Fun, though. Yeah, it could be way worse. Yeah. I mean, they could have had sloth on the screen for you. Yeah. Hmm. thought that was fun. That was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Marshy, you were a part of the game last night. Could have been a win. All right, so you're uh, you're in the building, Marshy. Mm-hmm. You're watching this thing with a keen eye when you're not going to get your beers, which is probably a few times. Did you go get up and get more beers than the Blues had penalties against them? No, no, no. That would have been actually. That actually would have been insane. Yeah, yeah. That'd have been expensive. Let's, say, let's but, hope you got an Uber, so there, kid. You're right there. Well, you're watching there it. You what, what What was the vibe in the uh, building when it came to the officiating? Was a lot of it laid at their feet? Um. Yeah. I actually I saw a tweet that Jeremy Rutherford put out last night that this was the loudest that he had heard fans booing referees. In quite some time, and I would agree with them. Like it was, it was bad. At least in the third period, I won't say anything about the second. And I know that a lot of the goals came in the second period for Vegas, um, but I mean the third period, I, I felt like 
the Blues were shorthanded the entire third period, and they really couldn't get any momentum to get back in that game. And I feel like the referees sort of took that away from them. I'm not saying they were actually going to come back because the numbers bear out that they probably weren't going to. Right. But I think it was frustrating for Blues fans because the entire time there was just ticky-tacky calls. You know, Sunquist got a, got a call where it looked like he barely tapped the guy. And it just, I don't know, it just kind of sucked the life out of the building. And I think from there, you know, when you couple that with the with the record of when the Blues are down, you just kind of knew that there there was really no chance for them to come back. Well, plus, uh, Brad, you, you mentioned this before. You, you came out of the gates hot. You got the three goals in the first period. You made it three to one. Jake Neighbors scored another goal. Unbelievable. I mean, d- d- Jamie said it on the broadcast that it was a goal scorer's goal. I mean, it was that, that thing was pretty. Kyra was. with a pretty goal. The, uh, y- you come out of that first period thinking, okay, we're in really good shape. And then, like you said, the momentum starts to starts to go the other way. And before you know it, it's a blowout, and people are heading for the exits midway through the third period. It's just it's a shame. It is a shame. I wanted to get your guys' take on this one also. And, Marshy, I mean, you played uh, hockey for a long time and uh, know the goalie position really well. What was your take on the Marcheseau goal, the one where Carlson was coming in, skate ends up hitting Bennington, they don't look at it, don't challenge the play. That was, you know, I mean, anything could have shifted things on a dime during that game, but that was a momentum shifter. What was your Good take call. on that? Should that have been a penalty, and do you think they should have looked at it? I think it was very close. I think Carlson sort of clipped Bennington, but I don't think it necessarily stopped Bennington from trying to make that save. It was it was definitely borderline. Like You, you could have challenged that, but with the NHL, I don't know if the Blues actually get that call. And at the time, they were in the penalty box a little too much. So I think Craig Berube, if they lost that, he didn't want to go back into the penalty box. Because if they do, then you give Vegas the opportunity to then go up 4-3 because that was the tying goal. Mm-hmm. Granted, they did any they did it anyways. But I think at the time, you don't want to take another penalty and give Vegas any more momentum. So I don't mind it. I, I actually don't think that they would have, even if they did challenge that, I don't think they would have won the challenge. So I'm I'm okay with them not challenging it. That's Andrew Marsh, Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Juan Soto officially dealt to the Yankees. And a lot of Yankees fans right now are celebrating. A lot of MLB writers are, you know, breaking down once again another powerful lineup. I want to ask Brad something, though, about this Juan Soto deal that might not sit well with uh, the people that think that, well, the Yankees lined up perfectly again. They got they got a monstrous lineup here. Yeah, but that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So the blockbuster deal between the Yankees and Padres became official last night. The Yankees acquired Juan Soto and Trent Grisham from the Padres for Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and the catcher Kyle Higgy. Or Kyle, go for it, Brad. Higgy, wait, wait, what? Kyle Higgy. Higashioka. There we go. 
Yeah, Higashioka. Or the the the, uh, the Yankees broadcast calls him Higgy, affectionately known H- as Higgy. Higgy is safer, honestly. Higgy There's some names safer. that you just, yeah, make it easy on yourself. So Soto heads to the Bronx. He's going to be paired with Aaron Judge. He's going to be paired with uh, Giancarlo Stanton, 25-year-old superstar. I imagine you don't make this move unless if you're the Yankees, you feel like you can sign him long-term because I believe he's only got one year left and then they're going to have to give him a new contract. Brad, when you first, I mean, first blush, Yankees get Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. What do you think? Well, it's a slam dunk for the Yankees, and we'll get into what they need to do next because it's very obvious. But when you're looking at that lineup, you're looking at having uh, another, I mean, one of the best offensive players in the game. Like, you look at some of the numbers for Juan Soto, and obviously, like, the walk numbers are eye-popping. The guy just, he draws walks like crazy. He doesn't he doesn't chase, but he's got some big power. It's amazing how crappy left-handed, first of all, they didn't have that many left-handed bats in the lineup, first of all, uh, the, the Yankees last year. Which is got shocking, very, given, given the yeah. jet, jet stream out to right center. That's what I'm saying. Like, so they, they, they didn't give a lot of at-bats to lefties. I think it was like the second least amount of at-bats to left-handers uh, in the game of baseball last year. When you have a ballpark, as you say, Anthony, that's very conducive to power to, uh, to the right side. And you, you put him in there who will draw his walks. He'll hit for power. I think that a, a lot of people forget uh, how much power he has. He had 35 home runs last year. Like That was a, a career high for him now imagine that in a smaller ballpark where he can flick his wrist and get it out of there and then it, oh you you want to walk him then okay great well guess who's standing behind him it's that monster judge so <laughs> soto plays every game and he gets on base he'll be uh he'll be fine out there in the corner interesting to see i mean this kind of this move does kind of force uh judge into playing center field right now mm-hmm. and that's probably where he's going to be not that he hasn't played it before but I think that I'd I'd want to keep him from lumbering all over the outfield uh but man it's offensively it's a no-brainer if you're a Padres fan sorry like the hits you, just keep you on saw, coming you saw this, this you had to see this coming though if you're a Padres fan you s- you saw it coming a couple of years ago when they signed all those players, and then a year later they they uh, you know redirected a bit. Now um, it, it's one they still have a decent nucleus. You look at the Padres um, when when you have Manny Machado, when you have Fernando Tatis Jr. Like I, I like my chances over there. They got some good ball players. Certainly, they don't have a pitching staff. Like two of the guys that they just got uh, in this deal back are likely to be in their rotation right now. So right. Uh, it, it's a tough deal for the Padres. But, Anthony, the big question is, is that enough for the Yankees to win? I don't think it is. It's not. We've seen this before, specifically with the Yankees, and we were reminded of it. It was, I mean, it was in our face last year as Cardinals fans. If you don't have pitching, you won't win. You may win a division. You may win a wild card spot. But you won't win big if you don't have pitching. The Yankees have the AL Cy Young winner in Garrett Cole. After that, it is a bunch of what-ifs. Carlos Rodon hurt all of for most of last season. Nestor Cortez, nasty Nestor, hurt a lot of last season. Wasn't what he was starts. Yeah, two years ago. You you go on from there, you got Clark Schmidt, who's just he's like a number four. He's fine. And then the then it's like Luis Gill and whoever else they they might wind up picking up. 
the Yankees have been like this for a while, and we have fallen in love with the with the lineup, and rightfully so. When you can when you can break out Judge and Stanton, and back when you know he was he was hitting really well, uh, coming off the the NL batting title with Colorado in uh, DJ LeMahieu, or when you know Anthony Rizzo was playing well two years ago. You look at that lineup, you're like, holy smokes, there's. There's not an out here. You may you may give up a home run, but they didn't have pitching then either. And yeah, they got to you know the ALCS and the Astros back when they were cheating. Yeah, that's got to be factored in. It's not like they were a disaster, but I think their pitching has gotten worse than what it was back in those days. And then you pile on the injuries on top of it, and it's kind of like what you brought up with the Chiefs yesterday. Mahomes almost has to play perfect right now for Kansas City. The Yankees almost have to have perfect health so that they can take advantage of of the lineup because their pitching isn't good enough. So if you don't have pitching, we could get excited about the lineup on paper. And yeah, you're adding Juan Soto. If you can add him, add him. But I don't think it's going to matter if this pitching staff doesn't turn around. And and that, that is, again, that's something going back to last year with the Cardinals. Well, and, and here's the biggest kicker, because I, I guarantee you there are a lot of people looking at it and say, look, they got Garrett Cole, and then they got a, a bunch of different guys. They, they, And Cardinal fans probably look at it and say, hey, they got Sonny Gray, and then they got a bunch of guys. So like, question mark who those guys are. I still believe that the depth is a lot better than the Yankees have. We can fight about it if you want to. Right. At least there's more certainty with that. The difference is, and the biggest problem is for the Yankees, it's not their, their bankroll, and it's not their history to me that's the biggest difference. The biggest difference is the fact that they play in a division where everyone is good mm-hmm. like so the the concept of getting to the playoffs see what happens it's a little bit harder over there in the east baltimore won 101 games last year anthony tampa bay just under that at 99 toronto won 89 games and, and they're apparently uh in in on the shohei otani sweepstakes not allowed to talk about that anthony <laughs> they can't say it uh but but they're in and they got that communications money they got that rogers money they're gonna be doing okay over there uh, but it's it, to me like that's one of the biggest differences. It's not like hey, you know, maybe you're 86, 87, 88, 89 wins. Maybe that wins your division. Ain't gonna happen over there in the AL East. So the the idea that they got him is big. Knowing that he is only on one year currently is uh, is something. And I who knows? Maybe they try to work out a multi year deal. Deal, Anthony. Maybe he wants to just go to free agency. See if he can get that monster contract. I would probably lean that direction. Chances are. Yeah. Uh, but they have to land another pitcher. So now who's left? Right? Is it Yamamoto? Do they land him? Do you think that the Yankees have? Do you think the Yankees have it in them to bring back Jordan Montgomery at what Monty's going to cost after they traded him off for Harrison Bader, who they let go? I don't think so. I think a lot of the people that are still in that building didn't view Jordan Montgomery as somebody that was going to be on the postseason roster when they traded him for Harrison Bader. Keep that in mind. Absolutely, They felt as though that they had four better starting pitchers at that time and that's why they decided to, to forego keeping Jordan Montgomery, swapped them out for Harrison Bader, who didn't even play for a month. He was hurt when they acquired him. Now, part of that, I also believe, is because they thought they were going to get either Carlos Rodon from the Giants or Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. They thought they had a deal in place, and therefore they are okay to give up Jordan Montgomery. So that also, you have to factor that in. But that's still... They, even with that, Brad, 
this is still an organization that didn't think that Jordan Montgomery was anything more than a five. So do they look at it now and say, oh, yeah, we were wrong. Let's bring him back at what's going to cost us an arm and a leg. I don't think so. I think that they'll they'll pivot to somebody else. Well, and the I guess the the question is the who else? Because you've you've seen some middle range starting pitchers come off the market. Could There's you see Blake Snell go there? Uh, I don't. Yes, I guess. I mean, I I can because he's got dominant stuff. I think that teams are so concerned about Snell because they don't know what he is. Mm-hmm. Like they they don't know exactly what you're going to get. It's kind of a scary proposition when you got a guy that like leads the league in walks, throws a hundred plus pitches to get through five innings every time. Cy uh, Young, it, that both Cy Youngs, Brad. Two and two times, right? He's like yeah. he, he's won it twice, but it, it's you're going to have to pony up probably seven eight years to end up getting him. And there's a lot of risk involved in that one. But there's also a lot of risk involved if you're the Yankees. You go out there, you make a big trade, you bring in Juan Soto. Expectations have been through the through the roof. It's been since 2009 since they've not only won but been to uh, a World Series. Like the, the, the expectations are through the roof, and I think that there's a lot of pressure to bring that pitching in. I still would be surprised if Snell landed there. I think that the two New York teams are just duking it out right now for Yamamoto. Yeah. Like I feel like he might as well buy a place in New York, uh, but they're just fighting to see which one gets him. You might be right on that. It's going to be fun. I don't know. It's going to be fun seeing the rest of the, the offseason play out. One big domino falls, and it's also going to be interesting to see what the Padres do now that they they dealt Soto. I don't think he's going to be the only one. With Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Could the Cardinals have signed Eduardo Rodriguez? Maybe, but he's gone now. He's going to be an Arizona Diamondback. So let's look at what's what could be left on the free agent market if the Cardinals are interested in adding more pitching. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Before BT and I dive into a little Cardinals talk, we also want to give you an opportunity right now 
to score a Cardinals holiday ticket pack. Tis the season of giving, and we here at 101 ESPN want to give you free Cardinals tickets. Today we're giving away a Cardinals Sunday ticket pack. The Sunday Fun Day pack includes tickets to five different Sunday afternoon Cardinals home games for next season. The Cardinals Sunday pack, along with all the Cardinals holiday ticket packs, are now on sale with some starting at just $55. That's it. Learn more about Cardinals holiday ticket packs at 101ESPN.com. Or you can win the free tickets that we have for the Sunday Fun Day Ticket Pack right now. Here's your trivia question. The Cardinals played the final game last year on a Sunday. Who did they play? What opponent did they play? Final game last Sunday. BTAC, your hand up. Please put it down. You're not eligible. You know you're in the stadium that day. If you have the correct answer and you are the 101st texture to the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646, you're going to score a Cardinals holiday pack of tickets. Again, which team did the Cardinals play and win, by the way, in the final home game, uh, which was a Sunday? Who did they play on the final Sunday of, of last season? All right, BT. Nope, hand down. I, I'm not. Okay. We're not. We're not giving you yep. the tickets. Yep. I really thought, Anthony. I really thought that I didn't think you were going to be selling uh, off uh, the holiday packs right there. I thought that you were going to give us your instant breakdown of the trade for Chris Dirty Durkin. Yeah, and you know what, uh, Brad? You know me. I want to do the research first. I don't want to just start spitting off some things that uh, I might not be knowledgeable in. So I want to go look at the film and uh, and break down Dirty Durkin. Okay, look, in, in fairness, I haven't been doing the show full-time for a while. You're starting something new. That's good. <laughs> that is very good. I set myself good. up for that one. Very excited to see all 182 centimeters of them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's that's 5'11 and a half, apparently. Like, apparently. Is that what they do? They list them that way? Yeah, it's first, yeah. He also weighs 78 kilograms, so, <laughs> you know, he's going to throw that around. Maybe. <laughs> if that's the depending on, roundable depending on what it is you know eh. all right brad um so the cardinals uh they made three moves for three starting pitchers as we know lance lynn sonny gray and kyle gibson one of the names that i think some cardinals fans were interested in was eduardo rodriguez who opted out of of his deal with the tigers he just signed a deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, could the Cardinals have signed Eduardo Rodriguez? Sure, they could have. I don't know how much interest there was from their side of things or from Rodriguez's side of things, but good on Arizona for making it to the World Series last year and not just sitting on it. They they improved today, and their, their starting rotation is looking better and better with uh, Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly and now Eduardo Rodriguez. Got the young kid and fought, too. And fought, yeah. Jeez, that, that kid was unbelievable, that rookie. Um shouldn't have left him out if you're looking at the starting pitching that's left on free agency I don't know if it matters because I don't think the Cardinals are going to be looking at any free agents if they if they do go on another starter starting route BT I would imagine it would be through trade do you have the same feeling yeah I do look at the the concept or the idea of Eduardo Rodriguez signing with the Cardinals, he makes you better. He makes pretty much every rotation better. He's been a steady guy. He's 30 years old, lefty, good stuff, can have some swing and miss. Like, that that makes sense. 
what I don't think makes sense to the Cardinals at this point after spending the money that they did on Gray was having another starter making $20 million. They mm-hmm. probably weren't, uh, didn't have the appetite for that. So I would agree with you unless something falls through the cracks and, and late, you know, somebody needs a deal. Maybe they're looking for a one year. Maybe the Cardinals do something like that. But it would surprise me to see them dip their foot in the free agent market. And as we talked a lot about, unless you are jumping into the high end of it, I really don't think that they need to. Like, unless you're adding somebody that's like one-two type guy, you've got your depth covered now. You've got your innings covered, and you've got a veteran presence. You've got very good leadership. And now you have your young guys kind of where you want them, where they're in a position where they need to pitch well. They need to force your hand to crack this rotation or crack this bullpen or be the first guy that gets called up when inevitably something's going to happen. Like, that's what you want instead of the situation that you kind of got into last year with the slow start, you trade off pieces, and then you're thrusting guys into action that aren't really quite ready yet. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I I especially agree with if you're not going to add to the starting rotate the, the top of the starting rotation, then why? You could improve. You could look at, let's just take Eduardo Rodriguez since we know that's not going to happen now. You could have looked at an Eduardo Rodriguez and say, does he improve you more so than like having Steven Matz in the rotation? Absolutely. Steven Matz, you can move to the bullpen. So in that regard, you could have improved. But now that you do have the framework of a rotation, I, I agree. Unless you're going to add to the top of it with like a Yamamoto or I don't see them being interested in Snell, or, but we'll throw him there too since he's one of the top names. If you're not going to do that, then why bother? I think the Cardinals now are going to pivot toward finding a reliever, and they got one yesterday in the Rule Five draft uh, from Boston. Does he does he have to be on the on the forty man the entire roster. season? Yeah, well, he needs to be on the 26 man. All season, so right? Unless, or else, or else uh, he goes back season. to Boston? Yeah, unless he's hurt, right? That was the case last year with Wilking Rodriguez, who he, he hurt the shoulder late, who, by the way, Wilking, who was a, a Rule 5 uh, from the Yankees, he is back with the organization. He signed a minor league deal with the Cardinals, so he'll be battling it out in spring training. Uh, and so will Ryan Fernandez, who they picked up in the Rule 5 uh, draft yesterday. So um, that that is, to me, that's the next area where the Cardinals really need to look into. Like uh, Everybody wants to add more, and I'm sure I haven't checked, but I'm sure we got a text that said, open up the wallet. That was probably Meat who, who <laughs> sent that one in to us. Um, uh, you could afford them. They could afford this. I guarantee we got something from the 618. I'll look in a minute. Uh, probably but- on Stephen Mass. Good call. Good yeah. call. Uh, he said uh, the other day, wasn't it him that said he's, uh, he's terrible, he should be DFA'd? Yeah, that's correct. Tells me tells me everything I need to know about about your sports knowledge. Uh, but Pretty good. It's, it's one. No, it's fantastic. Yeah, spot on. Well, DFA the guy. He's making $11 million a year, left-handed, talented. It's fine. Uh, I, I wish somebody would DFA me. You know, get, <laughs> get, all that, get all that cash for a couple of years, sit back. Do nothing. Uh, but I think that's where some of the attention needs to be focused now is shoring up things in the bullpen because, as Anthony, as we talked about a little bit the other day, what are your sure things when you're looking at the bullpen of 2024 for the St. Louis Cardinals? You like Ryan Helsley, mm-hmm. obviously. When he's out there, he is one of the most dominant arms in baseball. You hope for a bounce back from Giovanni Gallegos. I believe that last year was a bit of an outlier for him. At least that's been the case at the big league level. He's been – 
a steady presence for you. And then kind of what is after that? JoJo Romero, I think, got to the point before getting injured that you, you were trusting him in him. I know they like what they got out of John King while not overpowering. He went in and got the job done. Now you have Ryan Fernandez. But who else? You know, who else uh, ends up? popping up. Andre Pallante has got a lot of run the last couple of years. Is it him? Can they add a veteran? Uh, do they add like another swing type guy that is fighting for innings as well? And does that guy, Anthony, come via the free agent market? Tons of relievers out there. Do we see uh, Jordan Hicks reunited? Yeah. And it feels so good. I would, like to, I would see- like to see that. As one of the as one of the moves. I thought he came yeah. into his own last year when he when he earned the closer spot. And then earned yeah, it I by think, sticking around. I don't disagree. I think that the it comes down to money, and I think that that's kind of one of the reasons that they made the decision to move on from him is they were kicking around numbers. They were too far off, and they figured, okay, well, we can revisit this in the offseason if we want to, but we got to be able to get assets in a trade back. I can see Chris Stratton, while not the sexiest pick, uh, a veteran that takes the ball every day is very important. Mm-hmm. Who traded for Chris Stratton, Anthony? The uh, Rangers traded for Chris. The Stratton. Rangers. I was going to say the Why? Cardinals, because, as we know. Well, good call also. That would have been right. There are more than one correct answer <laughs> to some of these questions that I end up asking. But, yeah, they, they uh, the Rangers traded for him, traded for Montgomery, obviously, because they wanted uh, another presence in their bullpen, a guy that could take the ball, a leader. I think that the Cardinals still need that, even more of that in their bullpen. And will they be able to flip – one of their outfielders, potentially. Maybe that is Tyler O'Neill. Maybe that's somebody else for that bullpen help. That's going to be interesting here in the next couple of months. Yeah, and some other names that are that are available right now in free agency. Liam Hendricks, a big name. Josh Hader, a big name. Outside of that, uh, Will Smith. I don't know if he's a big-ish, bigger name, but Craig Craig he's won Kimbrell. the World Series three years in a row, Anthony. Well, bring three him in. in he's the three he's, different teams. He's the Pat Maroonish of of Major League Baseball. So bring him in. He is that uh, Craig Kimbrell signing a deal with the Orioles? I believe yesterday. Correct. So he's so he's off the market. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Outside of, of course, Tom Brady leaving them, where did it all go wrong with the Patriots? And are we watching Bill Belichick's final four games with New England starting tonight in Pittsburgh? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Brad Thompson and Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. So tonight, the Steelers host the Patriots in what could be uh, like a 10-7 game, a 6-0 game, a 13-10 game, something like that. Because you got Mitchie football, Mitchell Trubisky making the start for Pittsburgh as Kenny Pickett is dealing with a high ankle sprain. And the Patriots are going to stick with uh, Mac Jones too, otherwise known as Bailey Zappi, not that it matters. When you guys look back at the, the Patriots over the last couple of years, now they did make the playoffs in Mac Jones's rookie season, but the last couple of years has just been a disaster, right? Even if you throw out the COVID year where they had Cam Newton starting, it just hasn't been good. And actually, a year ago, I think they won six or seven games, so disaster really struck this past year. Besides, of course, Tom Brady going to Tampa, and maybe that is your answer and that's the only answer, what do you guys think went wrong with the Patriots? Like, where do you think they really 
fell apart. Yeah, Anthony, I'm, I'm actually going to go a, a little bit different direction here. I think it was when Tom Brady went to Tampa. <laughs> like, if I had to pinpoint, pinpoint an actual no, date. It's, yeah. it's still it, – it, it, <laughs> we all know this. In any team, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the quarterback position right, you're not going to have success. But Tom Brady is a different animal he makes everybody else better. He you know, raises those around him. They have drafted poorly for a very long time. The talent evaluation on the offensive side of the football, Anthony, as Woof. you know, has not been the best for Bill Belichick. So while like he gets all the praise, and rightfully so, for uh, what he has done on the field, I think that at times, like there is something to be said for maybe having a little bit too much power and not enough input from other places. And Anthony, do you think that maybe Bill Belichick has gotten to that point? I think that what we're over, that what we're seeing now with Bill Belichick is the Patriots are actually rebuilding, but because of the Patriots. There's no patience given to them because they've won for so long and because Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in, in Tampa. So we look at the Patriots and we say, well, Bill, you know, Tom won with Tampa. What are you doing now? He's rebuilding and he knows that he's got a, yacht, a lot of young players and the cheat code was going to be whoever they took at quarterback. The cheat code was going to be, in this case, Mac Jones. If Mac Jones turned turned into what C.J. Stroud has been, or or you know Jalen Hurts, or any of the young quarterbacks that have played well of late, you know Jalen Hurts is, was a second round pick. C.J. Stroud, not not the greatest example because he was he was the third overall pick, right, or the second, whatever it was. But Mac Jones has been terrible. So what we're seeing here is a total rebuild, but you're not benefiting from the quarterback, you know, masking a lot of the, the, the weaknesses that you have. So the question now becomes, if you're Robert Kraft, do you allow Bill Belichick to see this through knowing that this is a rebuild? Well, two things. One, uh, what about Mac Jones? It, it ever looked like you, you rattled off like some like real dynamic, athletic yeah. quarterback. What about Mac Jones? Looks like dynamic or, or scary. Like you see the uh, league trending in one yeah. direction, and then you go safe, right? Let's go with the safe guy. He'll follow me because I'm a rule guy, and we have rules here. And I don't care if it snows <laughs> ten feet. You better be here a few hours early. Which, by the way, I love all those things. Yeah. But like the league is trending in a certain direction, and maybe he is not ready or willing or believe. I mean, you know, you got a guy that's been in one place. I think 24 years now he's been in New England, Anthony. Carry the like, four sounds right. Yeah, 2000, well, 2000, I think, right? Wasn't it? Wasn't 2000 his first year? Anthony, just trust me. Let's call it 24 years. Fair enough. 24 years he's been in New England. Chances are nobody ever pushes back. Nobody is ever going to tell, I don't know if you should do that. Sometimes you need a little bit of a, a clean slate. And to answer now the second part or the actual question that you asked, I think it's time. Like, I think that it is time for something new in New England. The best voices start to get drowned out. I don't care how you know how impactful they are, mm-hmm. and it also doesn't mean that Bill Belichick cannot pop up anywhere else. I'm sure there will be some suitors. We've talked about Washington in the past. They've been linked to him. It's yeah. going to be one of the hardest things in the world for Robert Kraft to do, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but I think that he's going to have to do something uncomfortable. I think he's going to have to uh, pull the the towel off. Oh no, that was a different place. But this is going to be this is one. Yeah, he's where he's going to have to. Yeah, I, I, uh, I can't verify how many times he's been to Florida recently, Brad. So that 
Don't forget to use a towel. <laughs> Both these situations could be hard. That's all I'm mm. saying. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. I think that he needs to do it, Anthony. What do you think? And now I'm talking about firing Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Belichick. No. Mm. Uh, yeah. The football fan in me hopes that he does because I would love to see Bill Belichick not go to Washington but go to the Chargers and have Justin Herbert ready-made and and then just and then just build the defense. Because one thing that Belichick really hasn't been able to do, and we've seen that now, is find the QB. Tom Brady was a seventh round pick. Let's let's not let's not you know get it twisted here. It's not like Bill Belichick saw what Tom Brady had and 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 took him in the third round because everybody else had him in a seventh, but he was just going to guarantee that he got Tom Brady. No, it fell to him. So or sixth round, whatever it was the. The other guys that he has brought in, you know, Jimmy Jimmy G. There were a lo- there's a long list before them too. Matt Castle, uh, Zach Mettenberger. There are guys that he took in the second, third round that maybe a lot of people thought we're going to be the next. He's never married the system to the QB. So to your point, Brad, if you're Robert Kraft, you either go to Bill and say, "Hey, we're moving on," or two, I need to bring in another voice specifically one that's going to know what he's looking at from a quarterback standpoint so that we can get you some help. He has never married the QB to the system. He hasn't had to. He's had Tom Brady. So he either moves on, he gets a, he goes to a team that already has a QB, and he can just build the defense, which is his specialty, or like I said before, Robert Kraft's going to have to get somebody else in there, assistant coach, an OC, that Bill relinquishes some power because clearly that side of the ball is not his forte. I was driving around today, Anthony, and I was listening to uh, bounce around all the stations. I mean, usually pegged right here on 101 ESPN, but I was listening to, it must have been a commercial break. Sure. Not that I don't listen to those, too. I listen to everything. Uh, but it was NFL uh, <laughs> NFL Network uh, I was listening to, and it was uh, it was Charlie Weiss who was, who was on there. Who, yeah. I mean, half the time he's sleeping. But <laughs> yeah. the he's NFL, heavy. Boy, the NFL guys aren't great. Dude, like there They're are times not. where I'm like, I like. I'm snapping at the radio, Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he did say, and I forget. It might be Dave Leck is who he was on with. I forget who it was. But he was saying he's like, I just want to remind all the Patriots fans out there that final home game, and I think it's against the Jets. You might want to go pay your respects to to Bill Belichick. Interesting. Like he he felt he pretty adamant. Right. He's like, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, that 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 might end up being the way at some at some point. Not everybody like rides into the sunset the way that you want it. Mm-hmm. And we also know that there are plenty of managers out there, head coaches out there, that they can't just quit. They can't just retire and go sit in a front office or go work for the league. They're going to come back and manage the White Sox or whatever your <laughs> whatever your scenario is. Like that because it's in them, right? So Bill uh, Bill Belichick is uh, if if things do end for him, he's not going to just ride off into the sunset. But you do know that it's going to be a, a difficult one to have happen. And again, I don't wish anybody to lose their job, Anthony. But I think it's the right thing to happen if you're the Patriots and you want to start something new. I think he's lost his magical powers, to be honest, because you look at the just sports in general these days. You look at the players. 
I don't know if there is enough buy-in from all of those players right now. When you had Tom Brady, you could look at Tom Brady, and he was that guy that was putting in the work, that was playing by Bill Belichick's rules, and they were being rewarded for that. And you can't be that guy that comes in and says, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm this guy. You look at Tom Brady, you're like, this guy is the GOAT. If he's doing this, I'm going to do it. That mm-hmm. guy is not on that team anymore. And with this new uh, day and age of, of players, I don't think that there's that buy-in. I don't think you can be that type of coach in the NFL anymore. Marshy, I think you're bringing up a, a ton of very good points. And Anthony, here, here's the one. And this, this might be a key with Bill Belichick, and this is why it might not work if he were to go to the Chargers. He can't do a first-round quarterback. He needs somebody that needs him. Like, he needs somebody that, that he wants a Labrador retriever. Oh, you want a treat? Good boy. Get over here, six-rounder. Come on over. Every <laughs> rep matters. Like, that is – that's right to Marshy's point, right, of, like, the, the players have changed. There's a little bit more entitlement. I think that he needs that guy badly, and he ain't going to find him unless there's another Tom Brady that gets lost in a draft. Does Justin Herbert need him, though? Like, does Justin Herbert say, you know what? I don't think my coach has a brain. So I would love to yeah. work with Bill Belichick. <laughs> I wonder. Like, I, I really yeah, wonder, like, question. players around the league, I wonder how they feel about Bill Belichick. Yeah. I would imagine he's got enough cachet built up that they still want to play for him. But I don't know. Brandon Staley. Oh, Brandon Staley. It's not his fault he can't coach. <laughs> it is. It actually is his fault. Uh, was it wise for Mo publicly to say that Tyler O'Neill is uh, is on the block? Yeah, I was fine with it, but we'll get BT's thoughts on that next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Was it wise for Mo to publicly say that the Cardinals are shopping Tyler O'Neill? With Brad Thompson and Andrew Marshall, Anthony Salter's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, where it's 305. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. In 10 minutes, we're going to talk more blues with Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, as they fall last night to the Golden Knights. Uh, BT, I, I, when, it, when this question was kind of posed, I just met this with a shrug. I viewed Mo saying that Tyler O'Neill's on the block as – as a last last ditch effort, I've been referring it referring it to um, a company or a store saying, "Hey, don't forget about our clearance sale that we have going on right now. If you're interested, take a look." And then you walk over to the rack and you look through it. And you're like, "No, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna pass." And then they get rid of the clothes. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to be crude to a human being, uh, but. That's that's what I I take out of this when Mo mentioned that Tyler O'Neill is still on the block. What about you? Well, look, the the question is like, is it a smart thing to do? Is to to say that I just from a just thinking about this, Anthony, from a, just a sheer like business standpoint, I don't see how it benefits you to keep to to keep mentioning it, right, or or to bring it up in any way. But if you're going to say it publicly, look, you already know everybody around the game of baseball, all of these teams know the situation, and this isn't just the Tyler O'Neill situation. You know of every team and what pieces they are willing to dangle out there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like somebody in the industry hears that and it's like, oh. 
surprise, surprise, Tyler O'Neill didn't even know that this guy was out there and he was available. That being said, like I don't know if the, the constant reminder is necessary. You want to get the most that you can out of Tyler. If they really wanted to trade Tyler O'Neill last year, Anthony, they could have gotten rid of him. The yeah. reason that they didn't is they did not feel like getting fleeced for the player because they still believe, and that's what they needed somebody else to believe, and it's easy to do in the player that was there in 2021. And if you're just going to get a throw-in on a deal for that type of guy and then he goes off and, and tears it up somewhere else, how do the Cardinals look, Anthony? Uh, great. Not great. Yeah. Not not super. And then it'd be like, <laughs> ah, they can't evaluate talent, even though this guy couldn't stay healthy for a couple of years and he right. just wasn't on the field for you. Uh, and I'm sure that you guys talked about already. Do you guys talk about Scott Boris, Anthony, and his comments? Uh, no. So Scott Boris at the winter meetings, you know, he does his big diatribe where Mm -hmm. he's talking about all of his different players. And he was asked about Tyler O'Neill, and he says, well, Tyler O'Neill, he's eighth in the MVP voting, 30-plus home runs, won two gold gloves. He said, you know the talent evaluation of the Cardinals. It's nice to know that they have players that reach higher levels than that, I guess. I don't know. So just taking shots. I mean, Boris is in there, boom, body shots left and right. It's like, oh, Rosarena, Odolis Garcia, Lane Thomas, good out field by the way really the three of those guys uh, but he is trying to build up his client that's the agent's yeah. job he is obviously building him up off of his platform year of 2021 where he was eighth in the MVP voting unfortunately the last two years have not gone that way for Tyler O'Neill um, the value at this point though Anthony it how can it get higher? Like, do you see a situation where somebody just – do you wait until, like, spring training and just hope somebody else's outfielder gets hurt and then maybe they give you a little bit more? I, I feel like if you really want to focus at bats on some other players and you're really just ready to move, then you got to kind of just pull the Band-Aid off, get Agreed. what you can get for the player and move on. Yeah, the, this is this is spoiled milk. It's done. It's done here. I'm I not, wonder if he drinks milk, Anthony. No. I wonder if he's more like uh, maybe no stays way. away from the typical dairy stuff. Oh yeah, he's he's probably water, and that's that's it. You know, maybe I, I a little uh, almond milk, maybe. Maybe. I'm sure, doubt. he gets his his calcium, like a, a bunch of whey protein too. Yeah. So we get that. I'm not saying he stays fully uh, off the cow. Right. Um, I don't think Brad that. I mean, this this isn't even hindsight anymore. The, the, the Cardinals have missed on their opportunity to move Tyler O'Neill several times over. Not all their fault. He, he also has been banged up the last couple of years. I get why they didn't want to do it after 21. I mean, if they had a little bit of foresight, you say, well, you know, is, is this the real guy? Because if not, let's sell high now. But I understand. Honestly, the smart move was to not – give him a big contract at that that that's exactly what i was gonna say anthony you talk about dodging a bullet let's see it again and then he couldn't and the arbitration case came and maybe that domed him up the following year whatever they have held on to him to the point where he has no value the value now is just moving on from the player and being done with it you have your outfield it's going to be walker edmund and newt you have your fourth guy in Dylan Carlson, and then you have a couple of guys off the bench in Richie Palacios and break in case of emergency, Alec Burleson. That's it. You don't – why hang on to O'Neal at this point? You're not going to get anything in for value out of him. You're just not. It's time yeah, to, 
it's time to pull off the Band-Aid. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that if you, if you are hanging on to it, it doesn't sound like, at least from everything that, that we're hearing publicly, right, there's no way that you show up to spring training with him still on the roster. If, in fact, you do, it's, it seems like it's more of a fear factor that he is not one of those other pieces, that he doesn't turn into the Rosarena story or Ugh, the Garcia or right. whatever. Like, that's what it feels like. But as we've talked about a lot, you can't, and I don't believe they do, work from a position like that. It's like, hey, well, this didn't work that time. Uh, we better not do that again. No, that's that's how baseball goes. Like, that's how deals right. go. This happens in the business world every single day. Maybe somebody trades a commodity, then all of a sudden that thing goes up. It's like, oh, well, saw that go in a different direction. Mm. Well, you, you, you don't just quit, Anthony. You go out there and you find that in dog Absolutely. is what you do. Yeah. So that's what they need to do here. Would it surprise you at all, just talking about the player himself in Tyler O'Neill? would it surprise you if he went somewhere else and had success? This, may, this question may surprise you, uh, or maybe you know where I'm going with it, but what team is he going to? He's going to a team that is going to give him every day at bats that probably is not going to compete at a high level. Then no. Then no. I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere like that and had some success if he stayed healthy. I don't think – Dunk used to call these guys, these play, uh good player on a bad team. He, that's, that's what, that was a dunkism. Good player on a bad team. I think Tyler O'Neal, when healthy, is a good player on a bad team. Plays, plays every day, low expectations, kind of does, you know, understands his body and he needs certain days off and they're okay with that and fine. We're not talking about a competitive team Tyler O'Neill is contributing to, like an Adolis Garcia, like a Randy Orozarena. I could be wrong with that, but that is my take on Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, you might not be wrong, and I guess in fairness we haven't seen him in those situations. But those are going to be the teams right now, Anthony, that actually give him a shot. Agreed. You go, you go to some of these other teams, their outfield's probably a little bit more stacked uh, than some of those those other ball clubs. Right. So uh, I, I want Tyler to succeed. I like Tyler O'Neill, uh, but I, I don't think that it's here anymore. I no. feel like that's been fairly evident. If you want to give those everyday at-bats to Newt Bar, Walker, Tommy Edmonds, your best center fielder right now, Bar, some other moves that you might make and then uh, the maturation process in the next year uh, plus of Victor Scott. Like, this is kind of what you have right now. And him as a fourth outfielder would likely be a disgruntled fourth outfielder. It just doesn't seem like the fit is there. Anymore. Agreed. That's Brad Thompson and Anthony Stalter. What happened last night and how much can we give, can we pin on the officials? Chris Gerber joins us next. Talk a little Blues Golden Knights here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. With Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Let's head to our 101 ESPN celebrity line. We're joined by the play-by-play man for your St. Louis Blues right here on your home of the Blues, 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber. What's up, Kerbs? Anthony, how are you today? Uh, doing doing very good. You guys, you guys doing a, you're kind of doing a special trip, I hear. Well, yeah, we've kind of looked at the schedule. Uh, Gracie's freshman uh, first semester as a freshman down at University of Louisville was uh, – 
she had her final exam on like Tuesday, so I looked at it, and one of us was going to have to go get her, and I said, hey, why don't I just pick you up, and I'll, we'll just pick you up on Thursday morning, and then we'll drive to Columbus, and then to Chicago after that, and do a little blues road trip, since I got to go work the games anyway, and so it's a, uh, a little father-daughter trip here right before the Christmas holiday. That's awesome, man. That's that how is. it should be, Curves. That is fantastic. Now, yep. uh, does any of this have to do with the fact that uh, Jamie Rivers is a liability on all the charters and you don't want to be around him? <laughs> no, no, I don't think I don't think it's got anything to do with that. Actually, it's, it's great to have Jamie on there. We, you know, we pour some bourbon together on some of these trips. So, uh, no, um, he hasn't tried to take my seat on the plane yet, so I'm okay, I think. That's good. Just, just that's watch good. him. That's when the bourbon starts to flow. That's when you really got to watch Jamie Curbs. It's just a, a hat tip, okay? <laughs> well, listen. Now we did. You know, unfortunately, like you know, he sits right. The first few flights, he sat right next to John Kelly. But we had a couple of people, you know, on the last trip, so we could finally get our poker game going again. And it bumped Jamie back a row, which might not have been very fair to Jamie. But <laughs> well, I will tell you that uh, about four hands in when I flopped the Royal Flush and were able to get everybody to pay in on that one, that was a pretty good hand to poker. Oh, nice. Golly. That, I'd quit. That would make me a little bit angry on that <laughs> flight. That would be a little bit more bourbon. Hey, speaking of angry, a lot of fans angry last night. Maybe not even necessarily at the result, but maybe at the officiating in it. I, I know that Craig Berube talked about it. A lot of the guys talked about it. You can't let the officials take you out of the game. But what did you think about the way the officials called that one last night, Curbs? You know what, I thought that, uh, honestly, the officiating through the first two periods was fine. There was only one call that I really didn't like, and that was the hook on Robert Thomas. It was a referee from the backside that made the call, and, and, and it was a bad call. But if you looked at it from the angle that he had, you could understand why he made that call. But it was still a mistake. And I, and I have a problem with, we have too many calls made by the referee behind the play, and I'd like to see more calls made by the referee in front of the play than behind it. Now, in the third period, I thought the guys were awful. Like, I thought, I mean, and, and my whole thing, and, and Brad, you're probably the same way. Well, hell, as a pitcher, you had to be the same way when it comes to this. Okay, if the guy's going to give the high strike, no problem. Give the high strike the whole game so you know how to pitch, right? Correct. In, 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 this, in this case, there was a standard, like the slashing call on – the slashing call that they made on Torupchenko, one hand on the stick on the on the hip of the guy, like there's it's impossible to to put that standard out there, right? And then you know I think the slash on Sunquist was legit. You know I thought McIsaac was too thin skinned when Craig Berube let him know what he thought. You know so I, I didn't like the third period at all, especially after they missed what was a clear trip on uh, you know on uh, on Brandon Sod, but. Having said that, look, they didn't lose that game because of officiating. And I'm really – I'm glad to hear what Craig Berube said, what Nick Letty said. Like, the leaders of this team said all the right things. I mean, there wasn't one guy blaming that game on officiating. Uh, they, they knew that they didn't come out ready to go. They knew that they, they came out with another bad second period. And they came out in a game where they should have been able to lock it down by executing and succeeding on the power play. Um, and and instead of instead of succeeding on the power play, they gave the game away to the Vegas Golden Knights, and then and that's happened a little too frequently lately for the Blues. So I think they knew exactly where the 
accountability really needed to be, and and they did that. Or at least they accepted it, I should say. Chris Gerber joining us right now on the fast line on 101 at ESPN. Kerber, so another you know, look. Jordan Bennington has been sensational. That game in Vegas was uh, you know outward, otherworldly. Bennington allowed five goals last night, but 48 shots. How, how did the Blues? What's the number one key for the Blues to alleviate some of the shot number of shots that that uh, Robert that uh, Jordan Bennington and and uh, the goal the goaltenders are facing this year? Well, I, I don't know how to uh, to look this one up right away, but uh, I'll, I'll figure it out a little bit more this evening. There were 18 power play shots last night for the Vegas Golden Knights. At the time, at one point in time, Vegas had 18 shots on net on the power play. The Blues had 18 even strength total shots in the game. It was it's just it was just a messed up weird ratio, um, but not a lot of those are great a chances. They were coming from the outside. If there's one thing we've seen, and, and look, I, I think you're 25 games in. I think you know the DNA and the characteristic of this hockey team at 25 games. They're going to give up a lot of shots on net. There's only four, and maybe off the top of my head, four, maybe five games where they've held the team to under 30 shots on goal, as it is. right? So you know that the goaltenders are going to face a lot of rubber. You know that if they're not great at scoring chances, they have good goaltending. And you can look at it and you go, okay, look, a lot of goals have gotten in past Jordan Bennington of late as well, but again, you look at the amount of rubber that he's faced, and, and that's an issue. I'm, I'm not at all concerned uh, about the goaltending. It's just, I, I think right now it just looks as if, and I did ask Craig Berube this question, I said, are, is your team too easy to play against in, in the defensive zone? And, and his reply to that was basically, you know, at times, yes. Sometimes we just have it, we don't kill plays quick enough that allows them to get some momentum and some zone time that wears down our team. So there is a process that they're trying to work through, a process that they're trying to get through. This has been a killer of a road stretch with 11 of 15 on the road and only one day at home without travel or a game or a holiday in this stretch of 25 days. And so there hasn't been a lot of practice time. But they're going to have to get back to the way they were through the first 15, 16 games of the season that's the system that's going to make this team successful because right now other teams are just finding a way to get too much offensive zone time against the Blues. And, and, and by the way, and what you saw Monday night against Vegas, that's the blueprint. They know that if they play that game, they can beat and play with anybody in the league. The question is, is can they have that blueprint and play that way every single game? And they've yet to prove that to themselves. So, so Curbs, break that down for our listeners right now because, like, it, it always sounds so simple. Like, do this and you'll have success. Well, doing that is not always the easiest thing. You mentioned the schedule. You also know that teams are game planning against you. How hard is it for a team to get to their game night in and night out? Uh, it can it can be very difficult. And, you know, the, the one of the biggest differences over the last, 15 plus years in the NHL guys is that I mean just the level of, of the parity the balance that's in there like you honestly from day one of the season feel like your playoff lives are on the line every single game it, it's insane you, know, you used to really have your haves and your have nots you knew there were a handful of teams you could go in there you didn't have to worry about you used to trek down to the floor to take on the Panthers you get some sun and you knew you were getting out of there with two points right and now now, if, 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 you don't, if you don't pull it together 
you know, against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, for example, on Saturday night, they're going to beat you. Even though they've only had two wins in their last 12, they're, they're going to beat you. And you feel like the, just the weight of the season's on there. So you got that mental aspect of it. Then you've got the mental aspect, and Craig Berube touched on this early in the season with me. He goes, we, we have to have team toughness. And by team toughness, I'm not talking about the willingness to fight. He goes, I'm talking about the mental toughness to not just bring your best every single night, but every shift and how you manage the ups and downs of the game. And they haven't managed the ups and downs of games all that well, which is why the trends are with the other team scoring first and the Blues scoring first are what they are. So it's a difficult thing, but there's it is a way to succeed and win and play hockey. And, Brad, if, if you've got a guy that tries to get that extra dangle at the blue line rather than make the smart play with a one-goal lead and get it deep, and then it causes, you know, a rush coming back the other way. And, and I'll use an example. Here's, here's one of the Blues' best players, Robert Thomas. High hockey IQ. You've got a one-goal lead against the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. You're up one nothing. You're in the third period, and he tries to cut back across the blue line rather than just keep the puck on the outside, get it in deep, and get on the forecheck, which had been working. It's turned over. Pavlovich Navich then dives to go try to make a play and accidentally trips a guy. It's on that power play that the Vegas Golden Knights score a goal, right? It's it's things like that that when you get when you're playing winning hockey, you're not going to make many of those mistakes. And I think that's where the Blues are working through to try and get to that point. They played a great first half of the game last night, and then they made some mistakes and, and couldn't grab it back in the second half. Curbs, we know you're on the road. Have a great trip with your daughter, Gracie. Blues, Blue Jackets tomorrow night. Of course, we'll be tuned in right here on 101 ESPN as you and Joe have the have the call. But uh, have a lot of fun with, with your daughter. This should be a fantastic uh, trip for you guys. Yeah, we're going to enjoy it. Hopefully bag two points for in each game while we're at it and then get home for a little home cooking for a while, which will be nice. So uh, have an awesome weekend, guys, and uh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Curbs. We'll see you. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Chris Kerber here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. If you want to play hot take or hot garbage by leaving us a, a sports-related hot take, you can. Just text in right now, 314-399-9646. The Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll play hot take or hot garbage next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time to play hot take or hot garbage or Brad, if you want to call it. Go ahead. Oh, you're, you got you get the mute button on. No, oh, it feels like true or poo is what there I said. I pressed the mute button yeah. again. You're fine. You know, it is hot take or hot garbage for now. 314-399-9646, here, Comfort Service Tax Line. Marsh. What are some hot takes? Yeah, this one uh, comes from the 217. Hot take or hot garbage. Cilantro doesn't have much flavor and isn't deserving of its own trip to the grocery store. 
Oh, that's hot garbage. I can tell you that right now. Parsley, on the other hand, does not have much flavor, and that does not uh, warrant a trip to the grocery store. But when you're making homemade guac, if you don't have cilantro, smashing up your avocado, Anthony, mm -hmm. even if you got some green onion, maybe some jalapeno, you're not doing it the service it deserves if it doesn't have fresh cilantro in there. So I'm with uh, you. That is, that's hot garbage. I think it's hot garbage, too. Cilantro is a different, a different beast. You get to, like you're saying, with parsley and some of these other spices or whatever, whatever family of uh, food they're, they're in. No, but cilantro, you get some fresh cilantro on top of a dip. Yeah, I'm in. Anthony, I'm a bit of a guac snob. Too. Are you? Like, uh, yeah, at some place, like I, I don't like uh, the guacamole dips. You know, the ones where they cheat and like mix guac with like mayonnaise and makes like it like the, all like, like pre, creamy, like the prepackaged yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and some of that's uh, legit, but like real deal, you go to a place that does like table side guac and they make it there next to you. It's like, sir, do you want it spicy? I'm like, yeah, make it spicy, <laughs> and it always has cilantro. That's a that's a must have. I'm with you. Hot taker, hot garbage from the 314. Everything went the Diamondbacks way last year. They're going to take a massive step back this season and probably miss the playoffs. P.S. Eduardo, not that great. I had him in fantasy. Well, from a from a fantasy baseball standpoint, yeah, he may he may not have been great, but he was a, he was a better real life pitcher. There's there's of course a difference. I'm sure you know that. I mean, are you are they going to take a step back for after going to the World Series after winning a pennant? Yeah, probably. But if you look at it, they do have some some good foundational pieces, whether that be Zach Gallen or or, or Brandon Fodd or uh, of course Corbin Carroll. They, they've got some good players. Cattell Marte. Will they add to it? Adding adding Eduardo Rodriguez this offseason is some acknowledgement from the Diamondbacks organization. Like we're not we're not going to. Just rest on our laurels here. We know that last last year was a bit improbable, but clearly we have something here. I don't think they got to the World Series by accident. As 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 much as it was a surprise, I don't think that they're going to fall to fourth place in the NLS next season. I think the Padres are the ones that are going to stay stagnant. The Giants could be bad again, depending on what they do this offseason. Dodgers are always good, but I don't think that the Diamondbacks are going to just completely fall apart. Uh, I don't think that they're going to completely fall apart, Anthony. But remember, they're still a, a team that only they only won 84 games. Now I've seen a team win a World Series with 83 wins, so really what, they underperformed. What team was but, that, Brad? Well, it, it doesn't matter. It's just a, this team, the the 06 Cardinals, and boy, they they should write a a book about or something. Although 2011 was pretty good. Either way, um, it, it's I, I can see. I think this is a hot take. Uh, I feel like the Diamondbacks, things did end up falling their way late. The Padres well underperformed last year with the team they have. Now, to your point, Anthony, they're not going to be good this year because they're in a world of trouble right now when it comes to pitching. I believe the Giants will make some large strides forward uh, with, with uh, Melvin as the manager. I think they're going to go out and spend some cash as well. The Rockies are going to rocky, Anthony. That's not going to be good. Uh, but I think that we – I, I would bet that we will see a playoff field without the Diamondbacks in it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> What do you mean? Yeah, probably. You just went the other way. No, for, yeah, they're for... gonna make the playoffs. They're gonna get bounced in the first round, but you they're know gonna who's make gonna the take playoffs. that spot. Who? The St. Louis Cardinals are. Okay. Why? The Cardinals aren't gonna win the West. They're gonna win the Central. I know, but that's one of the playoff spots. 
Yeah, but it's not their playoff spots. What are you talking about? It's a wild card spot. No, they're going to win the Central. Oh, yeah. I I think the Cardinals either win the division or they don't make the playoffs. That's just my take. It's going to be cool when they get a bye, though. That's fun. Wow. To set up their pitching. Suck it, Braves. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. From the 217. Somebody's been drinking. (laughs) Hot take (laughs) or hot garbage. The win over the Chiefs will spark the Packers into a late season and playoff push and really be the start of the Jordan Love era in Green Bay. Hot take. And I don't even think it was the win over the Chiefs. I think it was the win over the Chargers. When Jordan Love put together that fourth quarter drive to beat the Chargers at Lambeau. That led into the Thanksgiving Day matchup against the the Lions when they won 29-22 and Love was excellent in that one and then last week Love was outstanding too against the Chiefs. So it is a hot take. I think it goes back further than that. I think the Packers who have now won three of their last four. I had them win in the uh, NFC North this year. I jumped off that bandwagon when things were going horribly. I do think they, they clinch one of those wild card spots when it's all said and done, Brad. Well, Anthony, uh, at the very least, thank goodness the Green Bay Packers are not 10th in your Stalter stack up. Wouldn't dream of were, it. No, if they were, things would have gone downhill. Look, I, I agree with you. And the, the reason is it's not just like the, the Jordan love and he's going to take off and then he's going to be the next one. It's far to Rodgers to love. And they have their statues out front. <laughs> Don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Uh, but it, it goes into something that we'll get into soon uh, about talking about how many teams can win the Super Bowl like mm-hmm. in a given year. There is so much parity this year. Yep. Like uh, Middling teams are going to be in the middle of it. The Packers are one of those teams, and they're going in the right direction. So I say it's a hot take. Last one here from Droid FX, sticking with NFL and some of those middling teams. Hot take or hot garbage, the Broncos will get the final AFC wildcard spot with all of the quarterback injuries in the AFC. It's a hot take, Anthony. It's interesting. It's a super hot take. Uh, Is uh, Russell Wilson perfect right now, Anthony? No. No, no, he's not. Uh, He misses uh, some of his reads, some of his receivers, but they're taking a little bit of it uh, off of his plate. I think that Sean Payton is doing a really nice job turning things around. I believe that they sneak in, and I think that that combination there that you've got of Russ, who's been there, of Payton, who has been there, that means something when it comes to playoff football. I'm saying hot take. This is too harsh to say hot garbage, but it's my only it's my only options, so I'm going to go hot garbage on this. I think one of the Steelers and Browns falls out of it. I don't know if both of them do. And I got the Texans making the playoffs, and the Texans are currently out. So if I'm looking at these teams that could benefit from the shakeup in the AFC, which is which is a, a, a interesting take by the mm. texture there, I'm giving it to the Texans over the Broncos. Mm, sounds like a number 10 team in the NFL. Who's that? The Texans. I've already got my number 10 team in the NFL. I don't think so. Stack up. It's the Minnesota Vikings. Mm, I don't think so. You know how good that team is. How can you, how can you keep them out? Gosh. How mm, many teams mm. can actually make the Super Bowl this year? You may look at it and say, oh, it's a pretty small number. But Brad just mentioned parity. Does parity open up the door for other teams that you might otherwise not say are a Super Bowl contender? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
How many teams do you think can actually win the Super Bowl this year? There's there's one of two ways to look at this, guys. Uh, you can either say it's it's basically the Eagles, 49ers, uh, Chiefs, and Ravens, and it's a very small list, or because of parity, you you say, well, every team's got flaws. The 49ers, I think, are, are, are everybody's consensus number one right now. But with everybody having flaws, the list could actually be bigger due to parity. Where, where are you on this, BT? Did you pause again? You're paused again. <laughs> I did it again, Anthony. Ah, <laughs> oh, Anthony, to answer your question, uh-huh. I've got a big one, a big list, and it's got 11 teams on it, okay, uh-huh. because of exactly what you said. Uh, there's it, to me, yes, the only team and and correct me if I'm wrong. The only team that I've looked at this year and seen, I don't watch as keenly as you do, Anthony, that doesn't look like they seem to have many, if any holes is the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one that, that I look at and say, yeah, if somebody's just going to run the table, I think it could be them. Uh, outside of that, and yes, the, the four teams you mentioned off the top are, are very good. Them, the Eagles, uh, the Ravens, the Chiefs have holes at this point. But I just think that this is the year, Anthony, where somebody just like comes out, finishes the season strong, and goes on a run, a la like we talk about all the time in baseball. Like, hey, get hot at the right time. You never know what's going to happen. Right. That crap never happens in the NBA. That doesn't happen in the NHL generally, and it doesn't happen generally in the NFL. But you've seen a lot of things this year that don't usually happen. Anthony, I think this is the year one of these sleeper teams. Maybe they don't win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but I see we see one of these these teams that just sneak in late, make a deep run, and maybe even wind up in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I could see it happening because the, are the are there any like stout defenses this season? The Ra- the Ravens I really like, but the Eagles you can throw on them, and I think they're going to have a hell of a time this Sunday against Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys. The Cowboys moved the ball very well against Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field a couple of weeks ago. They just didn't execute when they got inside the red zone, specifically at the goal line. The 49ers stuck with the pass last week because they knew eventually that Philadelphia secondary was going to break. So an Eagles defense that I've really liked, they've got holes. The Browns have gotten a lot of praise this year. Have you seen the Browns numbers on the road? They've been terrible defensively. Last week, they gave up another another 30-plus. So is there a stout defense where you say, ah, okay, defense is going to win, as it always does, so if you have a quarterback and a defense, you should be good. Even the Chiefs last week didn't look as great. Maybe the Packers exposed some things. So I'm more inclined with you, BT. I think that this is, this is opening up. I also think the top seed in each conference, specifically AFC, is really going to matter this year. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. If the Dolphins get the top seed in the AFC, and therefore they don't have to worry about leaving South Beach as long as they're in the in the postseason, that's a huge deal. That offense in Baltimore might look a little different mm-hmm. than that offense in Miami against that same Ravens team. Still good. That Ravens defense is still good. But you, it, it's it's different than having to go to MT, M&T Bank Stadium in the middle, middle of January. Same deal with that team going to Arrowhead. So if the Dolphins can continue to take advantage of a light schedule, clinch the, the top seed in the AFC, I think that plays into what you and I are talking about when it comes to the parity being 
prevalent more so this year than in years past. Now, when it comes to all of this parody talk, and certainly there's a lot of it, and you were breaking down some defenses, and you mentioned the Browns, who are, if things went right now, they would be a playoff team. They're sitting here as the sixth seed in, in the AFC. Can you see a team, Anthony, going on any sort of a run that doesn't have a distinguished, bona fide quarterback? Because at the end of the day, that's what it generally is coming down to. It's Lamar, it's Mahomes, it's Lawrence. It's yeah. you know, pick pick whoever your guy is. Like, is there a team that you look at that maybe maybe they're on their backup quarterback mm-hmm. that you think could go on a run, or is this just as simple as if you don't have that position, you're not going there? So, I guess this really falls into how do you feel about Jared Goff? How do you feel about Brock Purdy? Do you think Great that question. those guys are elite? Matthew Stafford was always that 8-12 to 12 guy with the Lions. Anywhere from 8-12, to 12, that's where you would rank Matthew Stafford with the Lions. Then he gets to the Rams, wound up winning a Super Bowl. Do you think that Brock Purdy can win a Super Bowl? I do. Do you think that Jared Goff, who has got, who got the Rams to the Super Bowl, but now he's with a different team, he's with the Lions, and they're very good, but do you believe in Jared Goff? There's really only Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, who has also not won a Super Bowl yet. Let's not. I mean, the criticisms about Lamar have always been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you have those guys? So I think to your question, yeah, I think one of the. How about Tua? How do you feel about Tua? I don't, I wouldn't consider him elite quarterback, but the guy is playing an elite level within that system, and and with those with those weapons around him. So going back to your question, I would say yes. Because you're not going to have Joe Burrow. You're not going to have some of these other top, top-end guys that we have fallen in love with over the last couple of years. So I, th- I do think that you can see one of these mid-range quarterbacks make a run this year because the team is good around them. No, I think you laid it out perfectly, and I think that Brock Purdy is the best example of that. We've talked about Shanahan's offense a lot. We've talked about guys like Jimmy Garoppolo had success there, goes elsewhere, not good. Like right. there's, there's something to be said about actually having talented players around it and then having somebody that knows how to use all those pieces. This is kind of shifting this conversation just for a quick second here, mm-hmm. but in regards to Brock Purdy, when Brock Purdy, Anthony, in your estimation, when he gets to the point where he is going to be commanding one of these top-dollar contracts, because it's going to happen, it happens to every every quarterback that yep. gets there, then you got to pay him. What do you do if you're the 49ers? Do you think that Shanahan could be the guy that just keeps reinventing the wheel and not spending significant money at that position because he believes in his system so much? No, I think they pay him. If Trey, I'll, let me phrase it this way: If Trey Lance worked out for the Niners, if he panned out, would you have paid him? I probably because I paid him initially. Yeah, right. You would pay him because you drafted him third overall. Yeah. He panned out. You pay him. Hey, this this is the this is the scenario, right? Like this is the dream scenario. You found your franchise quarterback. Just because Brock Purdy was was Mister Irrelevant doesn't mean that he shouldn't be paid because he has panned out in this system. Yeah. He's a perfect fit for what Shanahan wants to do. So I, if he continues like this, you absolutely pay him. Dude, that right there, though, what we're talking about, that's like next level reinventing the wheel. Because we always talk about like the when, when you have to pay your quarterback that big-time money, mm-hmm. that's when you see these things start going downhill. Because sure. now you, you can't, can't afford right. Tyreek Hill or you know whoever whoever that guy is for you. I wonder if we'll ever see somebody just continue 
to flip these quarterbacks, work them into their system. It would be a bold strategy. It would. Uh, but but the, the question is, okay, because we get married to these quarterbacks mm-hmm. a lot. If Brock Purdy were on the open market whenever he's a free agent, I don't even know his, his, his contract status whenever that, that year popped up, yeah. and he's having success, would he get paid by all these other teams that need a quarterback? Would he get paid near the top echelon? I think he would get paid because teams would fall in love with the production, but he would only succeed in certain spots. For example, I think he would succeed in Green Bay. I think he was he would succeed definitely in Miami. It's those offenses, Miami, uh, even Cincinnati. Not that the Bengals would, you know, they, they don't need him. They got Joe Burrow, but the offense, the system. He would only be a fit for Shanahan's system. So McDaniel runs a similar system. Matt LaFleur in Green Bay runs a similar system. I might be leaving somebody out in that, but th- I think he'd, he'd get paid because desperate team, desperate quarterback teams would say, ah, he, he's just a good player, let's pay him. But I think he would only have that level of success in the same system. And this is where no, it's like, a- oh, he's a, he's a system quarterback. Yeah, he is. So is everybody else. Did you find the right system for him? Tom Brady was the system quarterback, found the right system for him. Well, I would much rather, Anthony, I'd much rather have a quote-unquote system quarterback that does everything right, right than a guy that has all the arm talent, all of the athleticism in the world, and doesn't know how to utilize it. No kidding. Well said. Well said. That's Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. we got the gauntlet next. and This is the last round of the gauntlet playoffs. Aaron will have his shot. If he wins, we'll have to set up Aaron and Kyle for a, uh, a winner-take-all battle. But if Aaron loses Kyle is the champion and by the way Chief at 415 our weekly chat with Chief will come at 415 so we got Gauntlet at 4 Chief at 4 at uh, 415 that's next on 101 ESPN we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN three warriors four categories one challenger can you master the gauntlet Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Andrew Marsh and Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter, and we welcome back Aaron, who's the last contestant for the gauntlet playoffs. Kyle is waiting right now. He's either going to be a champion when it's all said and done today, or he's going to face Aaron. We'll have to set up a uh, gauntlet champion playoff edition between Aaron and Kyle, but Aaron's first got to beat Andrew Marsh. What's up, Aaron? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. So you you beat me in football, and then you also beat Brad in random trivia. So what's left is Marsh and either baseball or hockey. So that's what the wheel will spin today. Right, Marsh? Yes, because Aaron chose the route of picking one of us. Okay, there you go. So without further ado, Aaron, go ahead. Tell Marsh to spin that wheel. All right, spin that wheel. And then Marsh will get out of here. Aaron, what are you hoping for? Baseball or hockey? Hoping for baseball. You know, Marsh is pretty good at, uh, at both. We'll see what happens here. The wheel, Aaron, unfortunately, spun hockey for you. All right, let's do it. All right, so hockey hockey it is. We'll give Brad a, an opportunity to 
pull out the hockey questions. Good? All right. All so, good. Yeah, except for pronouncing some of the names. That's generally why I don't like hockey. Oh, it'll be fine, Brad. I'm sure we won't screw anything up. Sounds good. All right. Aaron versus Marsh in hockey. Every question, Aaron, is worth two points unless you ask for the options. If you ask for the options, those questions are worth one point. Are you ready? Yep. Question one, who currently leads the NHL in points? Who currently leads the NHL in points? Um, I'm going to say Vegas. Oh, I'm sorry. Player. Looking for player. Oh. Um, yeah, my bad. What are, the op- what are the options? Connor McDavid, Nikita Kucherov, or Quinn Hughes? McDavid, Kucherov, or Quinn Hughes? Dude, Kucherov. Tampa Bay. Final answer? Yeah. All right, Aaron, question number two. Who scored the first goal in Blues history? Uh, I'll need the options. All right. Was it Larry Keenan, Bob Plager, or Wayne Rivers? I have no clue. I'll do Wayne Rivers. <clears throat> Final answer? Yep. All right. Question number three. In 2016, the Penguins... Oh, jeez. The Penguins beat Anthony... Anthony. In 2016, the Penguins beat Anthony San Jose Sharks in the Stanley Cup Final. The next season, Pittsburgh won their second consecutive championship over which team, Aaron? So which team did they beat that uh, following season after beating the Sharks? Anthony Uh, Sharks. I get the options. Dallas Stars... Chicago Blackhawks, Nashville Predators, Stars, Blackhawks, Preds. I'll go with the Predators. Final answer? Yep. All right, question number four. In the 1990-91 season, which Blues had a franchise record that still stands today, recording 90 assists in a single season? I'm going to need the options again. All right, is it Adam Oates, Craig Janney, or Brett Hull? Um, <clears throat> let me go Adam Oates. Final answer? Final answer? Yeah. All right, we'll bring back Marsh from the Cone of Silence. Aaron, how you feeling? Uh, not so well, but I might have a shot. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens here. Aaron, by the way, if Aaron wins, we'll set up uh, an Aaron versus Kyle championship gauntlet playoff edition round if anthony i'm rooting for that give me yeah, chaos no doubt but <laughs> you'll also be rooting for marsh who now has his cans back on his ears so go ahead brad tell tell marsh uh, that you're rooting against them in your own words marshy go get him buddy we know we've been behind you the whole time <laughs> oh thanks brad that means a lot no problem no problem if aaron loses kyle is the champion the gauntlet playoff champion marsh are you ready I'm ready to go. Your category today is hockey. Mm. Category today is hockey. Question number one. Which player currently leads the NHL in points? Which player currently leads the NHL in points? Um, oh, wow. I know Quinn Hughes is up there even as a defenseman. Um, let's go ahead and use the options, though. Connor McDavid. Nikita Kucherov or Quinn Hughes? I don't believe it's Connor McDavid based on the slow start for the Oilers. 
And I think I'm going to stick with my choice of Quinn Hughes. He was leading the NHL for a little bit. I think someone jumped him. Maybe it was Kucherov, but I mean, the Lightning, I don't know. They haven't really been playing all that well lately. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Quinn Hughes. Final answer. All right, Marshy, question number two. Who scored the first goal in Blues history? Oh, man. Uh, hmm. Options. Was it Larry Keenan, Bob Plager, or Wayne Rivers? Jamie's brother, huh? <laughs> um, what were the names again? Larry Keenan, Bob Plager, or Wayne Rivers? Hmm. Let's go with Larry Keenan, final answer. All right, Marsh, question three. In 2016, the Penguins beat Anthony's San Jose Sharks in the Stanley Cup final. Don't know which Anthony they're referring to. Certainly not me. The next season, Pittsburgh won their second consecutive championship over which team? Nashville Predators, final answer. Are you sure? He said final answer. Yes. Question number four. It counts as is. In the 1990-91 season, which Blues set a franchise record that still stands today, recording 90 assists in a single season? Adam Oates, final answer. All right. Let's go over these. Marshy versus Aaron. Start off with question four. In the 1990-91 season, which blue set a franchise record that still stands today, recording 90 assists in a single season? Aaron, you said Adam Oates. Marsh, you said Adam Oates. Correct answer is... Adam Oates. But... Marsh didn't need the options for that one. He's got a 2-1 lead. In 2016, the Penguins beat Anthony, San Jose Sharks, in the Stanley Cup Final. The next season, Pittsburgh won their second consecutive championship over which team? Aaron, you said the Nashville Predators. Marsh, you said the Nashville Predators. Correct answer is... The Nashville Predators. But Marsh didn't need the options, so he has a 4-2 lead over Aaron. Which player currently leads the NHL in points? Aaron, you went Nikita Kucherov. Marsh, you went Quinn Hughes. Correct answer is... Nikita Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov. So Mm. Aaron, who did use the options, is trailing by only one point now. (laughs) Marsh with four. Aaron with three. Comes down to this. You guys both use the options. Mm. You have different answers. Who scored the first goal in Blues history? Aaron, you went with Jamie's brother, Wayne Rivers. Marsh, you went with Larry Keenan. If it's Larry Keenan or Bob Plager, who is the other option, Marsh wins. Kyle is champion. Aaron is eliminated. If it's Jamie's brother, Wayne Rivers, (laughs) then we have a walk-off. BT, who scored the first goal in Blues history? The first goal in Blues history was scored by none other than Larry Keenan. Aaron. You have chosen poorly. You lose. Not today. <laughs> Aaron, wow. I'm sorry. What a uh, what a performance by you. You made it this far. You made it to the third round, which is quite an accomplishment. But Marsh was on his game today. The final two answers, the Preds and Adam Oates. Marsh knew it off the top of his head, wound up winning today's gauntlet 5-3. to three. 
uh, Aaron, we appreciate it. Great run. Second time you've done it. Great run. But uh, unfortunately, you have been eliminated from the gauntlet playoffs. All right. No problem. I appreciate the time, guys. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Nice job, Aaron. Kyle, if you're listening, congratulations. You are the gauntlet playoff champion. So you have won the gauntlet twice now. Gauntlet 2.0 twice. Congrats. It didn't come down to a, a gauntlet championship round. You won outright, and uh, you can, of course, come back and claim another trophy. We'll have to get you something else, too. I was, gonna, I was just going to I mean, we can't, yeah, we can't oh. just give you the same, the same trophy. We, we got we to really build this up here, oh, Kyle. Yeah. Nice job. Congratulations. We really didn't have a prize for this. We built oh, this whole thing we up. Did, it Brad. wasn't like a big prize. No, we definitely did. There's no there's no Brad, doubt about that. Uh, it's a just secret, don't okay? Spoil it. It's a oh, secret. Oh, it's called a surprise. Yeah, it's, That's it's, what we're it's, ca- it's called the uh, Shohei Otani secretive prize. So, it'll be He's something gonna good. End up getting some- He's going to get some T-shirts. Probably. He? He's got some T-shirts, maybe a hat or something. <laughs> so we'll f- raid the prize closet. Chief is up next. We'll talk to the Blue State coach here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Chatting with the Chief. With a coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Brought to you by Fisher Window and Door. Your Marvin dealer with showrooms in Brentwood and East Alton, Illinois. With Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. It is the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. BTN for Jamie Rivers, who's on the road right now. In fact, I think he's on the road with our next guest from uh, 101 ESPN Celebrity Line. It is the coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Coach, how you doing today? Good, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. It's a pleasure uh, to be joined by you, as uh, as always. And last night, of course, it didn't go the way that you guys had, uh, had wanted to, but the previous game against Vegas was outstanding. What are the difficulties of playing a team like Vegas back-to-back like you guys did? Well, I mean, they're difficult games for sure. Very good team. Um, you know, they're the type of team that can wear you down with their size, um, you know, and, and skill. You know, they got some real good players over there. But, you know, I don't know. We started, we, you know, I thought, you know, after the first period, you know, we were up 3-1. You know, things I thought was, I think things were good. We were in a good spot. and You know, we just, we got in the penalty trouble, I thought, in the second and obviously the third period, and that really hurt us in the game. I think, you know, when you're taking penalties in the offensive zone, which we took two in the second, um, we took two penalties in the offensive zone in the second period, and um, they capitalized on them. That's the difference in the game for me, really. I mean, in the third period we came out, um, I think, you know, with the right intentions, but again, we just uh, put ourselves in the penalty box way too much. Yeah, and certainly I, w- I won't put you in a position to talk about the officiating. Some of those were, were maybe tic-tac or whatever. But that being said, your team has, uh, I think in the last six, you've alternated, right? Win, loss, win, loss, win. Uh, it, it is one of those where the response for your club is always a, a good one. Is that something, do you expect a, another good response from this one? Obviously, it was the, the penalties that were an issue. It seems like you guys don't tend to make the same mistake over again. Yeah, no, we've been getting responses, but, uh, you know, we need to be putting wins together, you know, more than just one or two. You know, we got to get on a roll here and get going. Um, it's difficult, though. It's a tough uh, – we've had a real tough travel schedule. Um, 
you know, we're back on the road again. So it's a grind right now. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that this, this goes on for everybody in the league, not just us. So we got to grind through this. We've got these two games coming up that are both winnable hockey games. Uh, so we need to get four points here. That's how we're looking at it. Hey, Chief, can you walk our listeners through that a little bit? Because I, I feel like we're, we're tuning in on TV or they go to the the home games but don't really know the added, uh, I won't call it a burden, it's part of the job and it's a great job, but, but traveling and playing the difficult schedule that you have, what really goes into a day-to-day on the road in the travel schedule? Well, I think with, if you look back three weeks, we've gone on a road and played multiple games, come home for one, gone on the road again for multiple games, come home for one, gone on the road again for multiple <laughs> games. So it's, you know, I think it just eventually ca- catches up to you. And I really, I thought that it caught up to us last night in the game. Um, that's, I think, a lot why you, we saw a lot of penalties. And, uh, you know, we just looked, we looked a little bit tired in that game. Coach Craig Ruby is joining us right now on the fast line on 101 ESPN. Coach, we, we've been getting questions uh, based on last night. You know, that third goal is scored, and it's a challenge situation, and, and you guys, your coaching staff, you and your coaching staff didn't, didn't challenge it. And we're getting those questions like, well, you know, can you guys explain why Chief didn't? And from our, our standpoint, we don't know what the hell we're talking about, Chief. What, can you explain the kind of the, the thought process behind saying, you know what, we're, we're not, we're not going to challenge that third goal last night? Well, I think the way the game was going and the power plays they were getting, I thought it was too great of an area to give them another power play, to be honest with you. Um, right then, you know, the, we're still fine in the game. So I didn't want to really – it was a, it was a tough call, to be honest with you. It was sure. too great for me to call it. That's, what that, is the – because uh, we were kicking that around, Chief. What What is the actual rule on that? Like, what, what are you allowed to do? Is there – we always uh, you know, talk about football as a football movement. I mean, is there a hockey movement where it's he wasn't kicking? Well, like, what is that actual rule? Yeah. Well, the rule is you you can't go in the crease and 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 hit the goalie, but that puck was there and he was going to make. He's going in there to you know at the puck at the same time, so that's where it gets a little tricky. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, the player's not allowed to impede the goalie inside the crease. Um, and you know he was in the crease, the guy, but he, you know, the puck's in there, and he's going at the puck, so it's it's a tough one. Um, you know, like I think all goalie challenges are uh, tricky because they could go either way. I've seen it all. You know, to be honest with you, <laughs> it, it's not as cut and dry as an offside call. Um, the goalie interference, you know, it's like listen. I, I don't you know I don't think the league really wants to overturn goals, so um, they could be hard. But I think you got to understand the situation you're in, the score, time of game. There's a lot that goes into it that way. And at the time, the game the way it was, I didn't feel it was the right time to call it. Coach, we'll get you out on this. We know you're you're traveling right now, but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about Jake Neighbors. Was there anything that you saw in training camp or preseason that 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 you and your coaching staff noticed that, that uh, led led you guys to think that Jake Neighbors could make this sort of impact uh, in the regular season? Well, I think if you go back and look at Jake Neighbors' junior career and how he played the game, he's doing exactly what he's doing then. He's doing now. Um, he goes to the net extremely hard. He, he's good around the net. He scores goals around the net. 
Last year he did the same thing, you know, for us a little bit, not to this level. But there was plays on the power play or five-on-five around the net where he he's a good player there. He finds them areas. He's not afraid to go to the net and stand there and screen the goalie and do that kind of stuff and tip pucks. <clears throat> he's good a compliment to uh, Bushnevich and Thomas, who are puck possession guys and have the puck a lot. So it's nice to have a guy in that line that goes to the net and stays at the net and, you know, gets in there in a forecheck and creates loose puck battles for him. But uh, Jake can score in tight. That's where he scores his goals. You know, if you look at all his goals this year, they're all 10 feet in around the net. Coach, we appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this, especially when you're on the road. Uh, we'll, we'll check back with you next week. Have a, a great game tomorrow in Columbus. And, again, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. That's Coach Craig Bruby here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. BT, I, I always appreciate – the Chief is always transparent. That is a tough situation last night. Going back to that, that third goal, it's a challenge. We have an opportunity to either watch it live – from our couch or live at the stadium and we might be thinking we're, we're kind of one track mind right we're just saying what it, do we think that it could be overturned or not yeah. but he's got to think about the way the game is flowing and that's how I want my head coach to be to be thinking that way it's not it's not unlike any other sport if it's football it's how is the should I go for it on fourth well the analytics say this <laughs> how is my defense playing right now how is my offense playing right what sort of game is this going to be in the fourth quarter? What sort of game is this going to be in the third period? I love how he said, I didn't want to risk putting the Golden Knights on another power play. We're still in it at that point. I didn't want to give them another opportunity, but it was a tough decision. That's what Chief said. I love the breakdown. I do too, and I actually really like what he said. Without him saying anything about like officiating or anything, he did throw out the first of all the fact that he's he's seen some crazy things, just like we have in every sport where sure. we're watching it at home. It's like, well, clear cut. This is obviously this is going to be overturned, and then it's like, well, the call oh. stands. Like, what the what? Right. What do you mean? And and he mentioned specifically he doesn't think that the league is uh, is really wanting to overturn too many goals. You want as much scoring as you possibly can. These are all things like real quick you're kind of taking into the thought so um, it it happened it looked like it it, uh, could have been a penalty but you could easily see it going the other way and that wasn't the game there were plenty other opportunities in that one where the blues could have uh, could have got it going but hopefully they get it going in columbus tomorrow and as he said on this road trip it has been a very difficult travel schedule anthony two very winnable games for a blues team that if you you look at the standings right now coming into the season with the expectations i I feel like most of us would take where they're at yeah i also like how brad you had you had said you know you guys you guys rebound you don't seem to make uh, you, you're, you're avoiding these losing streaks, and Chief said, "Yeah, yeah, but we got to start compi- We got to start piling up those wins too." So he's very realistic and practical about it all. But he also he also understands that his team's got to you got to find some consistency in the win loss column too. Uh, but great stuff by Chief. If you missed anything from that conversation, you of course can download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. What are FanGraph seeing the Cardinals fans are not? Because FanGraph, for some reason, is pretty high on the Cardinals right now. Did I tell you I was writing for FanGraphs? I forgot to tell you that Brad in picked, my spare time. Brad picked up a new job, apparently. We'll tell you, we'll tell you what he wrote for FanGraphs next on 101 ESPN. We're right 
back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. I believe our guy Swan had sent this to us after he saw it on, uh, on the projected model. So most projected 2024 wins at Fangraphs for the 2024 season. Number one, the Braves. No surprise there. Number two, the Astros. Number three, the Rays. A little bit of a surprise even with their success. Number four, the Yankees. Number five, the Blue Jays. Number six, the Phillies. And, of course, number seven, your St. Louis Cardinals. Of course. You said the Dodgers weird. Yeah, no, the Dodgers are ninth after the Cardinals and the Twins. Uh, Cardinals okay. at number seven. So, Brad, you you had mentioned this in the tease. When did you start working for Fangraphs? And, uh, so... Why Why did you come up with them at number seven for most wins in Major League yeah, Baseball? Yeah, Anthony, as you know, I've had a little bit more time on my hands, so I decided to be a contributor over at Fangraph. And as you also know, baseball is a passion of mine. Mm. Uh, so is math. So I put those two <laughs> things together, and i got to be honest, I think I mixed up a decimal point somewhere. Yeah. But uh, here we are. Here we are, you know, seventh in, uh, in the uh, – Full projected, uh, full season of 2024. So what are, right, so, so what are what's seeing that, that most of so, us are not? Well, in in all seriousness, I think they're seeing a team that's made three significant moves to a uh, rotation that they desperately needed. And Fangraphs is working off sheer numbers, right? right? So they're working. They're not looking at a horrible April and a down season for Arenado and a little bit of a fall off for Goldie. I think that they're working off of you know where they have been throughout their career and kind of vary off of that. So those are your cornerstones. And I'm sure that you're looking for some offensive bumps from some of the young players. But I think it's the fact that the Cardinals, they're so high right now because they've actually went out and made moves. You look at a Braves team, they haven't, not that they're going to go anywhere. Uh, they're not going to go much higher. But n- most of these teams have not made significant moves. Like the Dodgers haven't gone out there and signed anybody. Uh, well, the Mariners just keep piling uh, off players if the rangers sign back montgomery does that bump them up a little bit like there's still going to be some moving and shaking in all of this anthony but i think it's the fact that the cardinals have been uh, have been active and the other one is fan graph and just math in general so wherever you want to go for your your uh, data driven stuff mm-hmm. they they don't have emotion into it. There's no there's no emotional attachment to yeah, but they were twenty games under five hundred. They don't right. care. They're looking at what does the roster look like? What do we project all of these players out to do? And by the way, their projections they're not always right. Like they, they might miss on, on some players. They might miss miss bad. They also hit quite a bit also. I mean they they yep. They're at least uh, have some some sort of a stance on it, and it's it's been a pretty good one. So, um, I think that the analytic world probably looks at this team a little bit differently. Um, but the games are actually played on a field; they're not played in a spreadsheet; they're not played uh, on paper, which uh, they probably don't use paper. I mean, that would hurt <laughs> yeah. some of these analysts' fingers no. to write. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I I feel like 
I, I think the biggest takeaway, Anthony, is there's no emotion into it. You mm-hmm. ask why Cardinal fans uh, don't see it the same way. I think it's an emotional attachment. What what stood out to you when you saw the Cardinals there? So what stood out to me was actually the absence of something. So if you look through this, you got the Braves, the Astros, the Rays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Twins, the Dodgers, the Mariners, uh, the Orioles, then the Mariners, Rangers, Marlins, and Mets were 13-14, and then the Red Sox. I know I went through that list pretty quickly, but the absence of something is there. Is it uh, the absence of the Padres, the Brewers? No Reds, no Brewers, no Pirates, no Cubs. Nobody, nobody in the division? Nobody else in the division. So Logically, if Fangraphs is down on those teams as of right now, they would be higher on the team that they do like. So maybe they like the Cardinals to win that division, and if they don't like the other teams, that obviously boosts their win total. So if they don't think that the Cubs or the Brewers or the Pirates or the Reds are winning as much as many games as the, the other as fifteen other teams. That's going to be a boost for the Cardinals. But I do agree completely with what you said about there's no emotion there. They're not looking at it and saying, I don't know, they're too old in the rotation. They're not going to win games. <laughs> or thinking about Ali Marmol and how he impacts things or whatever other emotion, Mo, whatever emotion is drawn out of Cardinals fans, that that does not compute for, for fan graphs. No, and the the thing about that is I feel like both things are real. Like there's real emotion that goes into it. There's yep. real emotion. That, there's real relationships that factor onto the field. There's there's stuff like that that carries weight. That's why looking at stuff on a computer, if, if you're running an organization and you're just doing it, you're never t- putting eyes on a player, you're just looking at all these numbers and you're predicting the future, you're doing it wrong. Like You, you need to have uh, the best of both worlds. I think that's what the best organizations end up doing. But when you're, when you're looking at all of these, Anthony, aside from the Cardinals at seven, mm-hmm. was anything else surprising to you where a team ended up landing? I am surprised that the Rays are number three. I don't know why, but number three, the Dodgers are the biggest one, though, at at number nine. Even though the Dodgers rolled out a lineup last year that was very top-heavy, and they went through all of the injuries in the pitching staff, and they still haven't upgraded from what they had a year ago from from a pitching standpoint, they still won a billion games last year. You just... You just know that the Dodgers are are, are going to be a ninety five plus win team. They're just the, they're just that smart. They're just that good, and they're probably going to add. So the Dodgers being ninth there is the most yeah. shocking thing. What about you? I think uh, that was a surprising one too. But I think that you you put it perfectly with the pitching. I I don't think that most fans can name two of their starters right now. Yeah. Like right, right this second, because Kershaw is a free agent, Urias is, is suspended, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe a free agent. Uh, Gonsolin. Walker Bueller is back right now. I don't think Gonsolin. Was, was he hurt, too? I he think Gonsolin had Tommy John. Yeah. He had Tommy John at the end of the year, so he's he's out for last year. You got Walker Bueller Miller. and Bobby Miller are the ones that people uh, look at right now. Other than that, they, they got like Ryan Ryan Pepio, yeah. Yarbrough that they got in the trade from Kansas City. Who uh, was, a, a who was really a reliever. Sheehan. Yeah. I, I, think so, made, I think he made some starts for Kansas City, but we're talking about Yarbrough was the opener for the Rays for for a while and was just a glorified reliever, essentially. 
So yeah, you're right, and so that that is the one that kind of throws you off. Yeah. Now that lineup, we were just talking, uh, we were talking earlier in the show about how good that lineup looks right now for the Yankees mm-hmm. when they've got, uh, you know, you got LeMahieu leading off Soto, then you got Judge Stanton. I mean, who wants to face that? Glaber Torres, if they end up keeping him, you know, he's got some thump. What does that Dodgers lineup and, and same situation? It, you still need to be able to pitch. What does that Dodgers lineup look like if they add Shohei Otani? Well, Brad, it would look like Betts, <laughs> Freeman, Otani, uh, Will Smith, and who am I missing out of that top group? I'm missing Anthony. somebody. Anthony. Yeah. Is that is that the best? Just real quick with the <laughs> one, two, three that you laid out. Betts, there. Freeman, Otani, Smith. Is that the best one, two, three, maybe in Muncie. the history of baseball? It might be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're talking about three three of the best players in the game, mm. three of the best players at their respective positions. And if you if you include Smith, Smith is one of the best catchers in the league. Yeah. Muncie, Muncie's got to be there somewhere. So it would be Betts, Freeman, Otani, Smith, and Muncie? Holy smokes. Yeah, have fun with that. Have fun pitching to that. Now, the bottom of the lineup would consist of guys like Jason Hayward, who they're bringing back, you know, and then Chris whoever. Taylor. Yeah, Chris Taylor, Trace Thompson, if he's if they, he's still around. I don't even know if they, they still have Gavin him. Gavin Lux still. Yeah. And Gavin Lux, I think, is going to be the shortstop, correct? Yeah. That's what Dave yeah, Roberts said the other day. Yeah, because Mookie's going to be playing second, right? Right. That's, that is a sick lineup. That's pretty so good. So, again, number nine, even lands? without the pitching, number nine's uh, Shohei. Yeah, I think he's I, – I, I always thought that Shohei was going to land with the Dodgers, but that's also the, the easy one. That's the chalk. Sure, sure it is. Uh, but but that just kind of tells you a little bit, too, about what these rankings are, where they are right now in the first week of December. Sure. Because uh, – and, and not to say – He's not just one player. That that's a little bit different when you sign Otani. But you put Otani on the Dodgers, all of a sudden it's like, well, we have a new number three in the clubhouse. Right. You know, it's right. Like, it, he he swings things. But I I am really interested to see, and I think that they update these things all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested to see like what these projections look like right before when these rosters are pretty much set going into spring training. Right. Where they have the Cardinals, and if the Cardinals can perform to that level, or if they can, uh, you know, even raise the bar a little bit and where they have the cubs because the cubs are going to make some moves i don't know what they're going to do but they're going to make some moves they've been so quiet you spent 40 million dollars to bring in your manager Mm -hmm. i'd have thought they'd have tried to nail down at least bring bellinger back get that done quickly i agree surprised they haven't made a move on a pitcher yet i mean that that's i don't know if i'm really surprised i don't know if i should be excited or terrified that they've been that this quiet See, but my thing is, like, even if they're they're out there fighting for some of these bigger free agents, Anthony, they're fighting with the teams that have all the money in the world. Very true. The Cubs have not, like, shown that they're going to spend to those levels. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if if you're fighting for Bellinger, there's a couple of teams that are fighting for him. Apparently his market's over $200 right now, which is astounding (laughs) after, like, he had, like, three years of just being gone. He was done. Yeah. Yeah, but but you look at how much he meant to that club. We know how much Stroman has meant to that club as well. You're down they're two losing significant guys. pieces in free agency and sure. haven't done anything. And as we've talked about, I think that's that's the team that I think the Cardinals will be fighting with the most in the division. I would think so, too, unless that Reds talent, that young talent starts to come together yeah. for that. And then we saw it a little bit in spurts last year. All right, NFL four downs next with Brad Thompson. I mean, I think you saw the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Brad Thompson and Anthony Stalter. Time for NFL Four Downs. First down. All right, gentlemen, let's get to it. First down. Is there any merit to what David Carr said about the Eagles benching Jalen Hurts for a few weeks until he's healthy? Did you, Brad, did you happen to see that? I did not see that, Anthony. <laughs> so David Carr, just to paraphrase since, since we don't have the, the audio, David Carr said, I believe on uh, one of the, the, the ESPN shows, that that Jalen, the Eagles should basically bench Jalen Hurts. One, because he doesn't look like he's 100% healthy. He did mention the, the knee issue. But then he started talking about how he's not reading the defense well and all that. Here's the thing about Jalen Hurts, who I absolutely love. I've said before, I have I fell in love with Jalen Hurts when he got benched in that title game and supported Tua, stuck at Alabama, graduated, then went to Oklahoma. Like, the dude is a one of the most grit. He's got some of the biggest grit and the most grit in the NFL. Love Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts has never been a, a player that has necessarily read defenses and gotten the ball out that way. That's just not his game. He has developed in that area, but he's not to the point where some of these other quarterbacks are. He he fits well in that system for the Eagles, but he's somebody that is not sitting back and like one read, two read, second look, fourth look, and getting and getting the ball out that way. So David Carr mentioning the in the knee injury, if he's hurt and he can't play, then he can't play. But to say like the knee injury and he can't read defenses so the knee injury is impacting the, the his ability to read but no it, it, those two things are completely different and stop it marcus Mariota is terrible that's her back yeah, I, I would skip that part now i should have uh, said that Mariota is terrible stop it here's the 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 bigger question anthony and, uh, like right now they've got 10 wins i mean they're in line for home field throughout which is enormous but if you're the Eagles and you know that he's hindered by this, which he is, like there, there's sure. something there, and you got data from your training staff or your doctors saying, man, if, if he had two weeks off, he would be as close to 100% as possible. Would you do it if you were the Eagles? I would check with Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts is going to tell me they want to play, and then I'm going to play him. Of course him. he is. No, I'm going to play yeah, him. I, I play him too. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take you at whatever percent you're going to give me out there because that is my best chance. Sure. Overall. Yeah. If he's clearly impacted by the injury and and it's an RG three situation like it was in Washington where like he's looking down the sidelines at Mike Mike and Kyle Shanahan like you're going to come uh, get me. You come and get me. That's different. But I don't think we've seen that yet. I think he's hindered, but I think he's gutting it out. Second down. Is this the best version of the Cowboys that we have seen out of deck out of deck Dak Prescott? Jeez. So is this the best version of Dak Prescott that the Cowboys have seen? Absolutely. And I think a lot of credit needs to be given to Mike McCarthy because we haven't seen this version out of Dak. This is Mike McCarthy's system. This is his offense. He's calling the plays. The past couple of years, McCarthy may have had an input, but Kyle um Kellen Moore was calling the plays. He's now with the Chargers. This is Mike McCarthy's system, his play calling, and Dak, to his credit, has elevated Mike McCarthy's system, but he also fits well with what McCarthy's trying to do offensively. So I think Dak, absolutely, this is the best version of him. I don't care what the schedule looks like, BT, and Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for Dak's performance. Anthony, what about the schedule? (laughs) (laughs) It is weak. 
No, you're you're absolutely right. Look at your it, the numbers are the numbers at this point. He's got the second best passer rating, Anthony, in football. He's got the best touchdown to interception ratio, taking care of the football. Again, we know who they've played, and it just looks like he's kind of coming into his own. We all know this with Dak and with the Cowboys. They're going to be measured upon what they do in the playoffs. Yep. And they appear to be a talented enough team to go on a run. But if you're a Cowboys fan, and I know there's a lot of you listening right now, your thought is right away when you're thinking about the playoffs is, ah, we're going to screw it up somehow. Like that's how that's sure. how you feel. That's how everybody feels until you get <laughs> over the hump. And I bet there are some guys that are there that are on that team saying, ah, we're going to screw it up somehow. Oh, no. uh, Dak Prescott <laughs> better not be the guy that is feeling that way because he looks outstanding this year. Third down. Has Jordan Love shown enough to convince the Packers that he's the answer at quarterback? What do you think, BC? I I do. I think that, first of all, they drafted him for a reason. He was able to sit behind Aaron Rodgers and really soak in all that tutelage that he didn't get from him, just like Aaron <laughs> just like Aaron didn't get it from Brett Favre. Boy, just history, watch. History repeated itself in that, in that regard, didn't it, BT? <laughs> just watch. You'll see how a pro does it, nerd. Uh but, uh, no, I, I think that he has. I, I think that that time is actually really valuable to watch. And now that he's, he's getting the opportunity, and, Anthony, I'll let you talk about his, his maturation a little bit more because you were breaking him down earlier. But it, the, it seems like they slowly have fed him the playbook over mm-hmm. the last couple of years or so, and then they're letting him do his thing, and, and he's been doing it well. I think that he's shown enough that he's the guy. Yeah, I, the, I think the question comes from, okay, the Packers are probably going to pick, depending on how they finish the season, they're, they're probably going to pick anywhere from the you know teens, middle teens, to maybe early 20s. That's where they're going to land. Is there going to be a quarterback that they like enough in that range or in the middle rounds that are, that's going to be better than Jordan Love? Is there going to be a quarterback available this offseason that they can acquire and it makes sense for them that's going to be better than Jordan Love. And I think the answer to that question is going to be no in both instances. Now, if the Packers had the number one overall pick, like the Bears are going to have, either their own pick or Bear, or the Panthers pick, most likely, that is now, do we like Caleb Williams or Drake May, whoever's coming out, better than Justin Fields? That yes. That is going to be a more complicated answer than, no, it's not. than Jordan Love than Jordan Love and the Packers. So, that's one aspect of it. Now, you ask, like, where's he getting better? He's more accurate now. Accurate, He's not where he needs to be, but accuracy has been a big-time issue for Jordan Love. I think he's been more accurate within that system. He, he is uh, – I think that he's shown a lot of maturation, when to take shots. I mean, he was just kind of throwing deep for no reason early on, but he actually has that within him. You know, he's not Derek Carr, who's constantly looking to dump it off to Alvin Kamara constantly he's jordan love is willing to take those deep shots but he's picking he's picking his uh, his, po- his his shots wiser and they got some skill positions S- skill posi- skill at the wide receiver position uh slow down salter that i think that jordan love is taking advantage of as well fourth down can any defense stop the 49ers when they are completely healthy i would love to see what the raiders do against the uh the niners I think the Chiefs would be an interesting matchup, but if I'm answering this question flat out, BT, I'd say no. Not completely so healthy. 
what is it what is it about this offense that makes them is it i mean they they've got some weapons but is the main difference is having that hybrid type guy like McCaffrey is that just what makes this offense different than everybody else's so have you heard like in basketball positionless basketball where you know you got kind of the same same guy and they're moving around it's it's no longer what you and i grew up with in the 90s where it's like you got your big man you got your smaller guards you've got the four right exactly right and they all fit in in a category based on their skill set and their size now it's more positionless basketball. Guys can move around. That's the 49ers offense. It's positionless football. Debo can Amoebas, look- Anthony. Exactly. Amoebas. I love that word. They're ever-changing. So Debo can line up in the slot or he can line up in the backfield. Christian McCaffrey can line up in the slot, out wide, or in the backfield. And they run the same plays. They give you different looks. I'm sorry. They, they give you the same look but run different plays. It's simplistic. So defense looks at it and is like, oh, they ran this play in the first quarter. Nah. They run different looks out of it. It takes a little while for the quarterback to understand what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, and it takes a little bit for everybody to be on the same page, which is why if the quarterback in year one under Shanahan usually struggles, but in year two, look at Matt Ryan. He became an MVP in year two as opposed to year one where he struggled. But that, that 49ers uh, offense with Debo Samuel and Chris McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, they're, they're positionless football. You can move those guys around, and they're the most dangerous offense in the NFL, and Shanahan's one of the best play callers in the league. All right, it's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What's trending with our guy Jamie Rivers joining us from the road, or in Columbus, I guess. We'll talk a little bit more Blue Hockey next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill to win a magical Polar Express staycation. All right, what's trending with Brad Thompson and Anthony Stalter is our guy Jamie Rivers joining us from Columbus where the Blues are going to take on the Blue Jackets tomorrow night. Uh, Unfortunately, the Blues lose 6-3 last night to the Vegas Golden Knights in the rematch. But uh, Jamie, how are you? Good, buddy. How are you doing? Doing doing great. Last night obviously didn't go as planned for the Blues. What did you think about some of the calls last night by the officials? A lot of power plays. The the, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, I think, on 27 power plays last night. <laughs> it might have been slightly under that, but it sure felt like it. That's for sure. Um, I honestly didn't have that much of a problem with the calls last night. I mean, a couple of the wounds that the Blues had to endure were self-inflicted. You know, you get a too many men penalty, and you go to the box for that. Then you get an unsportsmanlike call from the bench. Not sure who may have said something. It's name maybe Chief. I'm not sure. <laughs> Either way, um, the referee didn't like what uh, was said, so we called another penalty. So that's, those are two penalties right there that are completely self-inflicted. What I, what I didn't like is the officials missing some calls on the other side. And there was a clear too-many-men penalty uh, for Vegas Golden Knights. Six guys on the ice, and so one guy was 10 feet shy, 12 feet shy of the bench, and the play was going on. And subsequently, what happened was then Torchenko got a slashing penalty after that. So that sequence not being called against the Vegas Golden Knights led to another penalty for the Blues. So now that's three penalties that you don't really like. One of them, the officials fault for sure. But, you know, the, the team got a little undisciplined at time. And although some of the calls are ticky-tacky or they're kind of weak, 
some of them are just, that's what the league's calling now. Anytime you get your stick in and around the hands of the opponent, it's going to be called hooking every single time. So you got to be very careful. You got to keep your feet moving. Jamie, we were, when we were talking to Chief a little bit earlier, we were talking about the schedule, and he, he had mentioned how difficult that is, not making an excuse. Facts are facts. Jamie, you're on the road with the team uh, all of the time. Like, how difficult has this travel schedule been to this point for the Blues? Well, I was actually talking about it earlier today. I was like, thank God I don't have to play. Like, <laughs> I just have to show up and, and, and do my best on TV and give it the old college try. But, you know, these guys – they're having to perform at a high level. And, yes, I know, I'm sure the text line's buzzing right now. Just all of the fly on charter planes and five-star hotels. All of that is true. And the accommodations are fantastic and the travel is fantastic. But it gets old being disrupted all the time. Like, you're never quite, you know, set up where you're, you're packing, you're unpacking. You're packing, you're unpacking. You're packing, you're unpacking. You're home for a day and a half. Boom, you're back on the road. It's a grind on these guys and it's a grind being in all these different buildings. And so although the schedule hasn't been favorable for the blues right now, you have to look at the, for me, I look at the long play on this is the team is surviving right now through this schedule. And whether it's win, loss, win, loss, win, loss or not, you're not losing a whole bunch of games in a row. And then later on in the season, the schedule is going to be more favorable. It's going to flip at one point to where you have a lot more home games and you do road games and it's at that point that you can put the pedal to the metal as long as you've been somewhat successful on these tough grind, grinding road trips. Jamie Rivers joining us right now from Columbus as the Blues will take on the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow night. Uh, Jamie, Jake Naver scores again last night. has been absolutely remarkable. When you're watching him up close, what are the things that you come away astonished by? Well, for me, it's just how good his hands are. Um, I didn't think he had – you know, some of the soft touch that he does. And last night was definitely one of those goals where he's coming in, does the old shake and bake, and then just gently chips it over the goalie's shoulder. I mean, that's a goal scorer's goal. I, I was blown away with how smooth that he he made it look and how easy he made it look. So for me, it's just, it's been that. And then the second thing is just how competitive he is. I knew he was a grinding player. I knew he wasn't afraid to get in the corners and do all that stuff. But he's been elevated like, like, listen to this, Anthony. He started the season on the fourth line. Then he went to the third line, second line, the first line. So this is a kid that's pretty – might as well be a rookie because he doesn't have a whole lot of games under his belt. And he's gone from the bottom of the food chain to the top of the food chain, and he's excelling at the top of the food chain right now. I think he's only one goal behind Connor Bedard as far as for, for players on 22 years old and, and younger – I mean, who the heck thought you'd be talking about Jake Neighbors in the same conversation as a Connor Bedard as far as goal scoring is concerned? And yet here he is. He can just continues to produce. So I think the world of the kid, he's a bit of a throwback. Uh, you know, he, he's a smart hockey player. He's a rough and tumble guy. He's a great teammate. I think he's going to continue to excel. Hey, Jamie, talking about other guys excelling, look, we focus a lot what is happening on the ice, rightfully so. That's what viewers are watching on TV, listening on the radio, going to the games. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, because you are around these guys day in and day out, about the evolution of Robert Thomas and maybe even Jordan Cairo from a leadership standpoint, Jamie. With big money comes big expectations. I know at least Thomas definitely talked about the leadership role and, and kind of filling that void that maybe Ryan O'Reilly left. How are those guys doing on that front? 
Well, it's been it's been a good season watching those guys mature, uh, and both of them have. Like you know, they're different personalities for sure. You know, Robert Thomas is a little more outgoing, and you can see him developing very much into a leader. And he's also taking control of the leadership role from a performance standpoint too. You know, he works hard in practice, works hard in the games. He's playing a solid two hundred foot game. He kills penalties. Like he's kind of doing everything you'd want him to do. And the flip side is a guy like Jordan Kyra is a little more quiet. So, you know, you get those guys that are super talented, but they don't always translate into like natural born leaders. And so I, I don't know if Kyra is a leader guy as far as the rah, rah, and the get up in the room or get in someone's face and things like that. But for me, his leadership has been communicated to his teammates and, and other people with his willingness to evolve his game. And although he's still got room to grow as far as being a 200-foot player, which I don't think he ever has to be a 200-foot player all the time. But what we're seeing now is in times where he needs to back check or he needs to make a defensive play or he needs to chip the puck out, he's doing that more often than he ever did before. And so his teammates see that, and they know that he's buying in. So now when Jordan Cairo does expect certain things from his teammates or you know, from the team overall, you look at it and go, hey, you know what? We expected something out of him. He's delivering. We have to deliver now, too. So th- these guys are transforming still and maturing every day, but you can see their growth for sure. Jamie, good stuff, man. We know where you're going to be on with us tomorrow from 2 to 4, so we'll certainly take a look at that Blues and Blue Jackets game tomorrow night when you're on with us. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right, you too. Uh, Jamie was just in Vegas. He was also on the West Coast. So nice opportunity, uh, BT, to go to Columbus and just stay in the hotel. Yeah, I bet he'll do that. I'm surprised Jamie's still putting together sentences at this point. That's a rough road trip that right is. there. I wonder what kind of bourbon they got on these team flights, oh, too. Oh, I'm sure they've got something. With. Yeah, something good. Good for him. Mm. I live in the dream. No just doubt. Just sitting around. Yeah. Maybe someday for you too, BT. You'll Golly, be jetting fingers around crossed, Anthony. Fingers crossed. Never know. Well, the Fangraphs. You know, the Fangraphs gig is pretty good right now for you, but uh, at some point, I think you're gonna make it big. You think so? Oh yeah, yeah. I believe God, that. Anthony, you've yeah. always believed it. But... I, I certainly have. That's Brad Thompson. That's Brad Thompson. Well, one that's of, cute. One of the best. Yep, it is Thank cute. You, you're, right, you're right about that. Sports Six Pack is next. If you got a question for us, send it into the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314-399-9646. And we'll answer it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. All right, time for our sports six pack here in the fast lane on 101 at ESPN with Brad Thompson and Anthony Stelter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions. Question number one. All right, guys, let's start off with the 314. Do you think with Mizzou's success that there is a chance that Wingo can change his mind and flip from Texas to Missouri? I mean, they, yeah, they, there's a chance. I don't know if he if he will. I don't know if the I don't know what the NIL deal was for at Mizzou compared to Texas, but they just got uh, a corner from the transfer portal from Clemson. So 
the Mizzou Tigers are building up some momentum, BT. They had a they had a successful season. They got on the map. They're going to take on Ohio State in a prominent bowl. Everything's moving in the right direction. And when you start to see tra- guys that go to the transfer portal and choose Mizzou right right away, uh, that's 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 good vibes. I don't know if Mingo's going to flip his commit, but it's already been a it's already been a win this season. Anthony, uh, how old is uh, Ryan Wingo? Like 17, yeah. 18 years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a chance he yeah. changes his <laughs> mind. I'd say you just uh, you, you never know. It's Texas is a great decision. Obviously, Anthony, you know that's been my school for a year or two. Yeah, long time uh, now. But, uh, yeah, like uh, uh, we see this all the time. You see kids flip-flop. Maybe it happens after a year. Like, who knows? But, yeah, there's always a chance. Question number two. This one is from Charlie Huddy's Long Guy. Since we're on a hockey theme, anyone interested in Patrick Kane's debut tonight with the Red Wings? I know there's a uh, Blackhawks hate around town, but he's arguably the best American-born hockey player uh, that has been ever been coming back from a controversial surgery. Uh, plus, you'll get to see Billy Huso, David Perron, and Walker play. How about that? You going to be watching Patty Kane's return to the NHL tonight? Absolutely not. No. BC? <laughs> no, I uh he plays for who? The, the Red, Red Wings. Wings. Red Wings. Yeah. No, I have no interest. No, I uh that being said, I would. Uh but I have a school program to go to tonight, Anthony. You That's know right. That. Yeah. Uh second grade is putting on a real show this evening. So, <laughs> um there's no chance whatever Patrick Kane does in his Red Wings debut is going to be able to live up to what I'm going to see tonight in this performance. Yeah, no doubt, BT. Well said on that one. Now, Marsh, you're you're a hockey fan, not just yeah. a Blues fan. You're a hockey fan. Are you interested in this? Eh, okay. not really. Yeah. So it's, a mean, no for, so it's a no for us. Pretty consistent. I gotta be honest. Hockey's the the only one out of all the sports when I'm flipping the channels. If it's not the Blues or the Knights on, you're going. I'm not stopping. How dare I'm not you? Stopping. All right. What do you mean? Honesty's the best policy. He's just being honest. <laughs> yeah. I'll. Yeah. I I watch all the soccer. Here we go. Here. Here we go. Here, <laughs> here's Matches. a question. Would you rather watch Patty Kane's debut with the Red Wings? Uh huh. Or this Thursday night football game. Uh, Thursday night football. Thursday please. night football. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> wow, that's how much you don't care. <laughs> I think this is the uh, the resurrection of Mitchell Trubisky. Is what this one's going to be. <laughs> it's either the resurrection of Mitchell Trubisky or the moment that Bailey Zappi realizes that he's average and oh. wins a game. You know. That Either way, we got to tune in to see it. Brad, I know you'll have it DVR'd after you watch your daughter's Christmas performance. For sure. DVR. Yeah. Kids still, still call it DVR? <laughs> I don't know. It's not like I said TiVo. <laughs> Were you alive for TiVo? Yeah, I was alive for TiVo. Okay. People still use TiVo, but they, they? it's not TiVo'd. It's just like recorded. It's, it's <laughs> right. like a... It's like a, a Kleenex. Not everything you use is a Kleenex. A lot of them are just, you know, tissues. Yeah. But Kleenex cornered the market on those things. That's that's a good point. Somewhere TiVo's like, we had the idea. But so I, 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 it might have been in that book, Anthony, that we read slash listened to. Yeah. Of Simon the, uh, Starts with a Y. I think about TiVo? Like, yeah, like the idea of TiVo, like... They TiVo didn't make money. Everybody right. else made money off of TiVo stuff, but mm-hmm. they didn't make the money off of it. But right. People still use the term TiVo it. No, you're you're exactly right. He talks about it because he talks about 
A company needs to know why it does something, not what it does. And TiVo, he brought that example up. TiVo knew what it did. We paused live TV. We did this or that. But they didn't didn't present it as, hey, if you're somebody that wants, you know, somebody that loves to have control, what if you control when you watch something, how you watch it? And TiVo would have perhaps been more profitable or profitable, you know, Mm. at large in general. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is more of a fumble, TiVo or Netflix? I'm sorry, Blockbuster not buying Netflix. Oh, I think that one was probably oh. the biggest the biggest fumble. Yeah. That's a tough one right Blockbuster's here. like we don't see your. We don't see you being profitable. You got nothing on us. People so, want people want to come into the store and have their and buy their movies or rent their movies. That's it. There are two like two parts of this that kids probably maybe we have some teenagers listening right now, or maybe some kids, poor kids in the car, just getting raised right by listening to the station. <laughs> um, but Blockbuster, you would that was like childhood Friday night. Oh, you could yeah. have a friend over, like we get to go to Blockbuster Absolutely. and rent out a movie, mm-hmm. and like if it was a new release, it had to be back in like a day or something like that. You better rewind it. You hope it's there. You right. get on a waiting list. But then, uh, like I think a lot of people don't even remember that the first iteration of Netflix was actually the mail order DVDs. Yes. Like, did, mm. did you guys get those? Yes. Were you in on that, Anthony? Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So it mail to mail to your home. You get disc, or if you want to pay a little bit extra, you get the you get two you get two choices. But even that, you you would like they would run out of stock. Yep. So as part of that, you walk into a blockbuster. And you're like, are they going to have it? You're looking around. Or it's like one left. Movie that you wanted to rent. It's part of the excitement. It was. Now we're it, missing out on that. Now we have too much. There are so many things that we can have that we can't make a decision. I spend more time, Anthony, trying to pick what I'm going to watch on Netflix I'm or you. Prime or Hulu or whatever it is. And then I, I could be watching something, but I'm wasting my time flipping through all these uh, these uh, options. Brad, I'm the same way. You get me on a Netflix. Get me on the Netflix. I'm like, oh, that looks definitely that's good. Let mm. me watch the trailer on this. Hour and a half later, I've watched nothing but trailers. They're just angry. They're just angry. I've wasted this time. I could have watched a whole movie by now. Just watch. Just pick something. But I can't. Anyways, the answer is no. No, we're not. Yeah, no, we're not watching that game tonight. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you clarified that. <laughs> Six minutes later, question number three. From the 314, what St. Louis team do you expect to be the most successful this year in their season? Yeah, it's the Cardinals. It's pretty obvious uh, why. Look, uh, I don't know if you guys have read the recent fan graph piece. Also, don't know if you guys know that I'm a new contributor for fan graphs. Um, the uh, Cardinals are supposed to have the seventh highest winning percentage in all of baseball. Did they short them a little bit? I'd say so. But uh, they've solidified their rotation, three brand-new pieces. Mm -hmm. you got your big boys coming back on the corners. Contreras is going to be like, oh, you don't think I can catch? Boom, boom, boom. Homers, homers. Uh, still might not catch great, but homers, homers. <laughs> and uh, then you got, you got Jordan Walker, sophomore season, Gorman, yeah. healthy as a horse, just going out there doing it. You got a shortstop who's rangy, athletic. Uh, yes, that's obvious, the answer, and it is, in fact, the Cardinals. I, I think it is obvious. I agree, with, I agree with you, BT. But after the monumental trade that they made today, it's got to be St. Louis City SC. Oh, tell them. Yeah, they Sent somebody and it got others and 
Boy, they're ready is this to go. about Dirty Durkin? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. So that's the team, BT. It's clear. They're going to build off the momentum well, that they had a year ago. Anthony, I mean, you can't just lay it out there. Tell them a little bit more about Chris Durkin who's well, coming over. Here's the thing I know about Chris Durkin. Here's the number one thing that I know about Chris Durkin. When he... Yeah. When he puts on his boots mm. and he walks on that pitch. Tell him. And it could be different dimensions, as we know. Sure. Each pitch is different. He's going to play the best football that you have ever seen. Wow. Because he's going to give the, the best effort. Mm. And he's going to be running. Okay. He's going to be running back and forth and back and forth. And he's going to play a little defense on he that pitch. He's going to play a little offense on that pitch. He's got he's to maintain that, uh, that middle because he's a – Midfielder, but sure again, Anthony. when he dons those boots on that pitch, you're gonna love this guy. Yeah, and everybody, look. If you're not into, if you don't know Chris Durkin, first of all, it's fine. You I should. Mean, shame you should. on you. Honestly, his mm-hmm. last couple of years with DC United uh, have been fantastic. Played in Belgium for a few years. Tell him. Was with DC earlier uh, in his career, and you think, man, boy, he's been a lot of places yeah, in yes. his young career. Yeah, it's because he started in the MLS at 16 years old. He was actually playing in the USL, Anthony, at he was 15. A kid. He's he is a salty veteran, and he's all of 23 years old. He has been around. You know, he's seen some things. Yeah. All 182 centimeters and 78 kilograms of Chris Durkin. That's on the FB ref. Page. Yeah, that's a mm. lot Decides or to, a little of a man right there. Decides <laughs> to put those first for some reason. Mm. So the pride of Glen Allen, Virginia. Yeah. Chris Durkin headed your way. Congratulations. Yeah. Well By said, the way, uh, Chris Durkin acquired DC gets Jared Stroud and Lucas Bartlett and $300,000 worth of general allocation money. Well, worth it. It was worth it. Exactly. Question number four. From the 618, will hiring Yachty really make a difference with the Cardinals pitching staff as it stands now? Tell him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh I think this whole Yachty thing with him signing on as a special advisor, and as we've talked about plenty, but as soon as the rumors came out about his want to do this, it was going to be fascinating how he deploys himself. Like when he wants – it sounds like right now he's got carte blanche. You just kind of come when you want to come, help out however you want to help out. Yeah. Uh, but – uh, we we know this. He's got one of the best baseball minds ever, and he people will listen to him. Like yep. if he comes into spring training, and it's not just about uh, working with Contreras and Herrera. If he's in there and he, he's talking to, it's like Stephen Matz. It, it, like he can he can tell him like, hey, dude. That sucked. Do this, and it's like, <laughs> okay, well, that that did kind of suck a little bit. Maybe I'll try th- this other thing. Um, I'm so interested to watch this evolve throughout the season, Anthony, because there are plenty of reasons that that are keeping him home in Puerto Rico. Talked about his uh, oldest son is 15 years old. He's a catcher. He's he's trying to he's coaching his team. Right. But I also know this about Yachty. Like Yachty might get in and then not want out. Like yeah. he he might be here. He might show up for a homestand. But you know what? Actually, I, I like might, this. I might want to go on this road trip here just in case because he gets so competitive right. and wants to get better and better and. Like when he's in, he's in. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like in spring training. Does he show up for like a day, and then the next time it's like three days, and then a week, right. and then all of a sudden, well, all of a sudden he's on the staff full time. I could see it. 
I just think that any any amount of Yachty working with Wilson Contreras and Ivan Herrera is excellent. Yeah. It's all it's it's all good. It's it's a positive nonetheless. And if Brad, if it works out that way, like you just described, where all of a sudden he's hanging out a little bit more, a little bit more, and he wants to join the staff, well, the Cardinals will certainly find a spot for him. There's no question about that. All right, biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Time for the biggest question of the day. What do you got, Marshy? All right, gentlemen. Should we expect any more impactful moves from the cards this offseason? BT, it's just how you would describe impactful, right? For sure. For sure. I mean, if it's... How would you describe it, Anthony? A na- I mean, honestly, a name, a name that we all kind of recognize or something of significance. So let's just say that just to, top of the top of the, the head here, Marcus Stroman. If you sign Marcus Stroman, that would be a significant addition. If it's Josh Hader, it's a significant addition. Uh, if you traded Tyler O'Neill for a low A ball prospect because you're just trying to get rid of him, I wouldn't call that significant or, or impactful. So that's that's how I would describe it. Uh, if you if you were to get a really good reliever in a deal, but maybe a, not a household name, I think that would still be impactful because you're adding to something that you clearly need. So that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it. How about you? No, I, I I look at it uh, the, the same way. I think a large part of the fan base wants the, the splashy name. Like if you signed Yamamoto, that would be impactful. You want an impact? Yeah, that would be incredibly impactful. But if you shore up some of the pieces of your team that you could use a little bit of help, uh, maybe that's another veteran on the bench. Maybe that is, it definitely is a member or two in the bullpen. I think that's the biggest key. Like you're you're trying to fine tune right now. That's not to say that this team is just a, a basically a finished product, but I think it's safe to say, and maybe I'm wrong on this and I'm happy to be wrong, that I, I think it's safe to say that they're probably not going to go out and spend a ton more money in free agency. So that like large splash player probably isn't coming at least via the free agent route. Maybe it comes uh, in the trade in the trade market, and maybe that's where the more significant player comes from or sure. significant move comes from. Is is that avenue? But I, I think that right now with a, a lot of their shopping done in the in the starting rotation, Anthony, I kind of expect it to be a little bit quiet for a little bit. What do you think the next move the Cardinals make? What do you think it is? Do you think, like, if you had to put your money on it, is in addition to the bullpen, is yeah. it trading away a piece? That's exactly what I think it would be. I think it would be in addition to the bullpen. I think they're going right. to make – and I think it's going to be via trade. I don't know. I, I just don't see the Cardinals – you know, I, th- I, I worry about like, we always talk about the the you know, Randy Rosarina and and all that, but how about Brett Cecil? You know, signing him to a, a long a, a longer term deal. Not that the money Make was one crippling. mistake, Anthony. Make well, one I'm mistake. Just, you know, I'm just saying. I don't know if the Cardinals are going to want to rush to the the market and pay top value for a reliever on the open market. I think they would rather acquire that player via trade. Yeah, and it's 
is picking the right partner. And the question, so that that brings up a really interesting point too, Anthony, because if you're going to go out there and you're going to try to to trade for that guy, that quote unquote impactful reliever, mm -hmm. well, just like that impactful reliever is expensive in free agency. That reliever is also expensive when it comes to currency when you're making a deal. Sure. So that's where I think that you're you're really looking at your scouting department and your analytics people and everybody getting together and like who is that that unfinished product that you believe you can mold into that next guy? Now maybe that unfinished product is a guy that you just picked up in the Rule Five draft in Ryan Fernandez, who will be on your 26-man roster. He'll be battling it out and hopefully he's a part of things this season. Maybe it's Wilking Rodriguez, who was a Rule 5 pick two years ago, who profiles as a high leverage, hard thrower, swing and miss stuff, mm -hmm. but dealt with an injury all year long that, that kind of threw him off. But I think, I, I feel like that's where it's those moves of those guys that you just don't know. Like, like, oh, who the hell is this guy? And then all of a sudden he's throwing 100 for you and he's blowing right. everybody away. Luis Garcia is an example of that from a couple of years ago. And then he signed a multi-year deal with the Padres. Like, man, where did they get this guy from? Sure. Like, that's the kind of guy I would love to see pop up in one of these trades. You take a chance just like somebody be taking a chance on one of your guys, whoever, you know, if, if they trade for Tyler O'Neill, they're taking a shot that the skill set and the tools that he has will translate for them and they'll get the best of them. No doubt. Well, you got to find somebody that has those similar tools, Anthony, and hopefully that translates for something you need. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, BT, you got to get out of here, man. You got to get to a Christmas performance, a second grade Christmas performance. So have fun tonight, man. Thank you for filling in. We'll see you tomorrow. Dude, I, I will see you tomorrow. We'll have some fun for an hour. And I told my daughter, I'll be the one screaming, that's my baby. That's her. <laughs> I'm and sure. She didn't She didn't love that. So I'm thinking about doing it. I was about to say, I'm sure Lexi not thrilled with, with you doing that. I don't know. She might dig it. I think she's she's a showman. You know, she's just she's ready for her big performance. Tonight. I love it. All right, uh, BT, always pleasure doing radio with you, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Anthony, sounds good. See you, Marshy, and uh, enjoy the time as always. Absolutely. All right, that's Brad Thompson and Anthony Stalter. When we come back, criticisms, compliments, and what you missed here in the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. We talked to Chief today. We talked a lot of Blues hockey following the loss last night to the Golden Knights. Talked to some Cardinals. Uh, Mo, whether or not he should have mentioned that Tyler O'Neill is on the open market and whether or not it even matters. We, we broke down the Juan Soto deal uh, with Brad Thompson, who joined me throughout the course of the show. Also slipped in some football. How many teams do you think can actually win the Super Bowl this year? Thursday night thoughts. Tonight, the Patriots are taking on the Steelers. Not much of not much intrigue for the game, but where did it all go wrong for the Patriots outside of, of course, Tom Brady? NFL four downs were also slipped in there. Talked to Chief, talked to Jamie, talked to Chris Kerber. So a lot of blues conversation. It's all available on those spot on the uh, in the podcast again. One hundred one ESPN.com or your one hundred one ESPN mobile app. All brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Don't forget, you can join in the holiday spirit by helping 101 ESPN support Operation Food Search throughout the month of December. We've partnered with STL Shirt Company to offer a special 101 ESPN online merch store this month offering 101 ESPN t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. Plus, we've decided to bring back some of your favorite designs, including those great dunk shirts, the Be Patient shirts for us here in the Fast Lane. Jamie Rivers and Brad Thompson jerseys are also available. Order any 101 ESPN swag during the month of December, and proceeds from all sales will go to support Operation Food Search. So, great cause. Visit the 101 ESPN online merch store now at 101ESPN.com, powered by McBride Homes. Uh, Marsh, before we get into criticisms and compliments, uh, we'd be remiss if we if we also don't reflect on what today means in our, uh, in our U.S. history. This being December 7th, of course, it's Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, you know, whether you have, for me, I have, I have a grandfather who has, who has since passed that fought in World War II. He was a paratrooper uh, in the U.S. military. I know that we have listeners that had family members or, uh, you know, maybe were impacted by what happened on that day, Pearl Harbor. So this is a, an opportunity for us to pause, to reflect on what happened, and of course, uh, to learn from all that that happened. So again, just wanted to acknowledge this being Pearl Harbor Day and anybody that, you know, is, is, is dealing with that or dealing with it from a family family standpoint, we certainly are thinking about you today. So Marsh, what do you got for criticisms and compliments? I had something, but I just simply cannot bring what I was going to say up after what you just said. Okay, fair enough. So <laughs> maybe, maybe questionable me, timing on that. Let me go ahead and... Uh, Pivot. I will. I'll pivot. Okay. And FedEx Brian texted in and said, "Thank you for what you did 82 years ago, Grandpa. We miss and love you." Uh, there you go. Well done. So another. Uh, who's this FedEx Brian? From FedEx Brian. So FedEx Brian, probably in my age range. I'm early 40s. I'm 41. And somebody that had a grandfather that you know fought fought in uh, World War II or fought for our uh, our freedom. And I am a huge believer in our military and, and the men and women that continue to fight for our freedom so that guys like Marsh and I can get on the radio and do what we do and have fun and mm. you listen and you know hopefully you're an enjoy you're enjoying it at least most days or most hours or most minutes and uh, that's all thanks to in part to again the men and women of our of our military so I'm a huge believer in supporting our military um, going back to our conversation about Netflix, and you mentioned that you'll spend most of the time surfing through yeah. trailers, and I, I do the exact same thing. The 314 says Netflix browsing is our generation's channel surfing. That's a good point. That's a good call. Yeah, I remember, Marsh, you're too young, but I remember you got the TV guide. TV oh, no, guide I'm not too young for that. You remember the it's TV on guide? channel like 99 or something. Oh, I'm talking about the actual oh, the magazine. Actual, oh, yeah, the okay. actual, you know, the smaller TV guide. It used to come in gotcha. I don't know, once a week or once a month I'm, or something. I'm thinking of the channel you would go to, and then you would have to wait, and to all see, the channels see, would yeah. come down. You're like, oh, there's my show, and then you go to the show. <laughs> and you're scrambling to watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about the actual magazine. That was a big deal. You had to flip through, see what, find the date and all that. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good oh. call. That's, that's a good call on channel surfing. All right, now here's to uh, let's get to the part that I wanted to get to. All right, um, this is from the Snake Pit, and they must have seen BT in his basement, mm -hmm. and they said that Brad had a big booty. 
Big Booty Brad is what the snake pit was calling him. I wonder when they would see Brad's booty. I don't know. Like when did he walk? When did he walk away? Had an opportunity to see that because he was he was sitting on said booty. Oh, maybe maybe at the end there. Was that was that comment no, fairly recent? No, this was recent? like midway through the show. Hmm. Maybe they just think that Brad has a big booty. Big Jamie, booty Brad is Jamie's what they were calling got, him. Jamie's got that hockey rear end. Yeah, all that skating that he does. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I can see now why you you didn't want to bring that up after I mentioned. Yeah. Pearl Harbor Day. They're saying BT's thick. He got that donk. That's what the snake pit was saying. <laughs> Shout out to the snake pit for joining us again today. Thank you. So, Via the yeah. Air Alliance team. Uh, 101 ESPN SDL YouTube channel. Mm-mm-mm. But, okay, congratulations to uh, BT on his new Fangraphs gig that he said he was a part of. And yeah, wrote a pretty compelling yeah. article about how the Cardinals are going to have the seventh most wins. Hell yeah. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? BT did. You can see the future. Yeah, you can. All right, we have we got Thursday night football on tonight. Unfortunately, what do you mean unfortunately? You got a great matchup tonight. You, you're gonna oh. see a lot of defense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Patriots and Steelers. Oh, if you like defense, even by default, yeah, this is your game tonight. Hey, if you like the D, you'll love this matchup. Very true. Did, okay, I'm just gonna verify one more time. You got your pick in, right? Yes. Okay. For Andrew Marsh and Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie will be back with us for a couple hours tomorrow, and BT will join us as well. You got Thursday Night Football right here on 101 ESPN. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.